trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time, we read Maradonia and the Law of Blood by Gloria Tesh. We're reading this at the behest of our patron, Dari. Thank you, Dari, for your longstanding and diehard support of Terrible Book Club. We hope you enjoy this, hopefully, final foray. The last <laughs> one. Into Maradonia. It's over. Um, so if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of those three elements, uh, and then we review them. So we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while, the, or while they're you know browsing online or on Amazon. We try to read things that we think we will hate just to see if we're going to be right, if we can find maybe some joy in something awful. Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a journey. And I hope I hope you'll it enjoy coming along with It has certainly been a long, us. especially down this one particular road. Yeah. Um, so usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, and it's often hilarious. But, you know, sometimes we end up liking the books that we pick. Um, for content warnings today, we've just got our usual barnyard language. You know, Chris and I are, speak casually. We've got a lot of swearing. Um, there is one sexual assault scene, unfortunately. Yes, once again, in this fucking joke of a book. There is a sexual assault scene. So sorry about that, everybody. Thought we could avoid it, but nope. Just like that uh, Woman You Marry book. Just a joke of a book, but then, oh, yep. surprise. Uh, so, you know, be be prepared for that later on. Uh, so, <clears throat> just going to read the read the summary for... I almost said Gloria Tesh and the Law of Blood. You know, at this point, why not? <laughs> like, that's fine. All right, so the... Summary for Maradonia and the Law of Blood, book four in the Maradonia series. Ahem. Gloria Tesh is one of the world's youngest novelists and widely seen as a great talent, able to take her readers on an exciting fantasy journey from the ordinary world to the legendary world, to the land of Maradonia. In Maradonia and the Law of Blood, Gloria Tesh brings us back to the land where anything is possible. In the latest installment of this thrilling saga, Joey and Maya not only have the fate of several worlds on their shoulders, they are also burdened with affairs of the heart. If you're interested to know more about Gloria Tesh, her family, and their book series, Maradonia, you can check out episodes 11, 62, 63, and 86 of the Terrible Book Club. Um, that's not part of that summary, by the way. That, that's, oh, I know. Like, yeah. That's true. Sorry. I, I probably should have like, taken like more of a like breath. Wrote... <laughs> yeah, they're now printing that on the books. Uh, no. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure many of you have been here with us before, have perhaps done your own scary dives into this world. Um, but yeah, we, we've covered these books a lot. Uh, at the behest of patrons, we really, like I said in the last episode, we only read, um, 
the first book kind of on our own and all the other ones were because <laughs> our patrons really wanted us to. Um, plenty of other people on the internet have done deeper dives on the family and the series. Uh, there are like blogs and things, notably um, Conjugal Felicity and someone called Swank Ivy? Swanky V? I'm not sure how to say that. Um, and there are others. Um, there are also various like message boards online where people have kind of kind of done some borderline stalking on the family yeah. so you know there's there's that I too a so thought or two about that later <laughs> on. But, some, we'll, let's... but you know i mean i guess in some you know as long as no one's harassing anyone i guess it's i guess it's fine it's just research um we definitely learned some things from those uh but yeah so just wanted to point out that we're just going to talk about the book uh we're reviewing the book it we're not going to talk about we're not really yeah at the end we're, we're gonna try to bring some closure to this whole thing uh to our journey through maradonia i'm gonna try to yep get back to oceanside today yeah uh <laughs> so you know i i guess i'm just pointing out that if you're looking for people like shitting cash gossip yeah just shitting all over that's that's yeah that's not what we're just doing saying so. it uh, so, you know, if it, if it's relevant, we might talk about a couple of things, but that's certainly not what this is. All right. So our characters and setting. Of course, we're back in fucking Maradonia. It's Florida sometimes. Uh, Maya Briefly, and Joey. Briefly, for a minute. Maya and Joey are our protagonists. They're brother and sister team. Uh, we've got Apollyon and Pluton, which are evil guys. Prince Rasmus, Queen Dido, Alyssa. I don't know. She has two names. These are, that's the prince and his mom from some other kingdom i don't fucking even remember what it's called oh from carthago not to be confused with carthage uh which definitely is supposed to be um master dominatio which is like their uh maya and joey's magical advisor guy who is like their vizier while they're gone um gyre crawler gyre crawler i don't know how to say that i say Um, gyre crawl guy crawl all right yeah um, Nick Kroll is, <laughs> is the pirate. Nick Kroll, the dread pirate. He's the dread pirate. He's a pirate guy. He's a bad dude. Uh, Jody and Jolene are some servants to, uh, or ladies in waiting or something. They, they were like in a coma for like a couple of Wait, centuries. No, no, those are two different people. Chris. The, are they? Yes. No, those are the coma girls. No, no, they're not. Oh my god. All right, can I say this, Paris? Like for all of its other flaws, we can't even. We can't even get through the characters. I, I, I think honestly, oh, Gloria fuck. did a decent job keeping track of who is who, what character is doing what. I definitely lost track of all the generals at some point, as oh. far as I'm concerned. All the generals are one person. Um, there was someone named Ulan Kasenko, which kind of sounds like a Star Wars name. No, it sounded like a figure skater from the 90s. I swear to God. <laughs> I, wait, wait. Or that. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me, now I, now I got to check this, because that name sound sounded like... There's a couple of like, hey, that's just a Star Wars thing, I'm pretty sure. I, there's definitely an Endor in here <laughs> somewhere. Did you catch that? Yeah, there was. I don't remember what it was. There's but... one offhand mention of a place called Endor. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you just ran out right there, I guess. Um, no, Jody and Jolene were the ladies-in-waiting to Krimhilda. Krispy Kreme. Oh, yeah. Krispy Kreme. Um, the two ladies that were like vampires or in a coma, I don't even remember their names. <laughs> You're going to have to be the master of that, Chris, because Chris has the book. Um, and we got Tarakan and Emuji, the, <laughs> the two main dragons. Yeah, Emuji. 
emoji i'm just calling him emoji um and then chris's final note is fuck this i don't really care who else is in here and that is also how how i feel i'm just sorry i I didn't want to keep track anymore it doesn't really matter it really doesn't yeah so this there's everything is so like evanescent i don't i don't want to bring up 90s and early 2000s rock bands but just things come and go it barely matters who's you know I can't even like even the plot thread and like why Joey and Maya go from place to place sometimes is baffling. I know the general idea is that they're uniting all the kingdoms for the final I, fight I actually, against the evil empire. I was gonna say I actually thought the very basic like two sentence plot summary makes sense. Yeah, like you said, you know they're trying to. I, I think I I think I summarized it as like there's like an arms race going, sort of an arms race going on. Um, okay, well, I, I guess don't know. we could start there, right? Because even the arms race part doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Um, but so, just listeners, please know that so much of this book is fucked up. We're just going to go through it in, in our notes in chronological order. It's going to be a mess. I'm sorry there isn't a more organized way to do this. Because if, for example, if we wanted to divide it into, like, plot holes and grammar and spelling and syntax issues, like... It wouldn't, I mean, the grammar, syntax, and spelling problems are, I mean, the the pages are basically made out of illiteracy. Like, like that's <laughs> how it feels. And I don't mean to be disparaging. Um, you know, obviously it, not everyone has the same access to literacy like, education, oh, but, but these people did. Listen, <laughs> these but people Paris, did. like, okay, like, <laughs> sentences make sense in a way right like there's so many like dropped quotation marks and you have to like reorient yourself as to what the fuck just happened because like like a a day will pass in a sentence sometimes and other times it it's it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of you know that whole show don't tell thing this is pure telling this is telling all the time exactly everything with no artfulness well and there's clearly i mean i think we've discussed this before but to me it's very clear that gloria didn't write this and that her parents who um i don't you know they know they know english as a second language so i think it's pretty clear that this book is written in that in the style of someone who um i think specifically her dad who um you know didn't whose language primary language wasn't english and again don't mean to be disparaging but get a fucking editor so like this shit doesn't happen um i'm i'm sure that gloria i'm sure that gloria had a part in like coming up with ideas and stuff but the way it is written it's obviously written by somebody whose primary language is German. <laughs> that's all. That's like I'm a little mixed on that, man. I still don't buy, completely buy that, to be honest with uh, you. Ah, well, but if you read it, it a doesn't... heavy hand, sure, but Maybe. like doing most of the right. I think Gloria is the one that sat down to write the stuff out for the most part. Yeah, but her dad rewrote it so much that it's his voice. Like it is the voice of someone whose primary language is in English. I think that's pretty clear, and it, again, I'm going to keep saying this because I don't want it. I don't want my point to be misconstrued. Like, I, I, you know, everyone learns languages at different paces. Like, we're not all fucking literary scholars, but if you are publishing something, it needs to be run through editors. It needs to be run through, you know, fr- friends who can read it for you. Um, please, yeah, like if you're struggling with a language, please get help before publishing. That is all. I don't want to discourage people, all but right. this was this is an adult man who just shit all over some pages and put it out in the world, and that is yeah, you know what? not That's, what you should do. We're going to come back to that later for sure towards the end of this. So let's, you know, 
casting all that aside, let's just take the book in a, in a vacuum of its own space, as if this is just a <laughs> We're book in that Maradonia. appeared on a shelf. Yeah, <laughs> like Fuck. it appeared on a shelf somewhere. Let's kind of divorce the artist from the art for a minute, which I usually don't subscribe to, but for just for a minute. Yeah. Let's start talking about what happens All right. in the Law of Blood. So the main plot is that um, Apollyon, who's basically Satan, and his son, whatever the one that's still alive, uh, Pluton, Pluton, they are trying to figure out how to get back into the underworld because the door is locked. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, Really, it's a problem. That is like one of the first issues because at the end of the last book, Joey and Maya stole the key to the underworld, which is also like a nuke laser pen. It's like a really, it's like it's like one of those Swiss Army knives. But it has like, a real like, varying power level too. Yeah. Sometimes it will like blow a hole in a forty foot wall. Other times it can precisely disintegrate birds. Other times it will ex- implode a whole tower um, with a mushroom cloud. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the most dangerous Swiss Army knife in the world. It's like oh, it's the key to the underworld. It's also a nuke. <laughs> uh, kind of a kind of a crazy key fob to have just lying around. Um, but Joey really does leave it lying around. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So so anyway, so at the end of the last book, they they stole that, and I guess because it is a dual purpose item that is both a nuke laser pen and a key, they took the key and locked everyone out of the underworld. I don't know why the evil guys left the underworld. I'm honestly still confused about whether the underworld contains the ice the ice palace or if that's no it's un it's 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 up and also down paris so here's the thing okay the ice palace was like in a bunch of mountains right i think so yeah that's where like the water park part of it you know the water park evil palace no the water park's in the underworld chris no 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 totally different no no no, paris no way the water park is like that's it i'm looking at old notes No, the water park is like part of the evil palace. It's like the grounds outside the evil palace where No, it's in the underworld. I swear to God, it's, where the No, fuck? the underworld is in like it's in a nearby mountain that is visible from a high point in the water park cuz Joey climbs up, remember? He climbs up to like the highest point in the water park to get a view of King Apollyon unlocking the door to the underworld, and that's how he knows to steal Defender, the uh, I cannot fucking pen. believe you remember that. I that... don't remember anything. My mind has been purged <laughs> of all knowledge. No, I, I tried to make sense of the locations for everything. I'm reason. really glad that you did because I don't. All right, hang on. Okay, I'm, so the I'm underworld. Opening, I'm checking our old notes, but continue. Here's where the underworld. That there's that other mountain area that Joey saw when he was at the highest point of the water park. There's a door up in those mountains. There's like a carved out plaza. I don't know or something like that where there's a door and that door has a staircase that leads downstairs to where the entrance to the underworld is, which I believe is another door that defender also unlocks. Oh my God. However, the problem is, is that when Joey and Maya escaped with the mermaids from the underworld, because the mermaid place was like next door to the underworld, if you remember, there was like another door where the mermaids were imprisoned or whatever. Uh, yeah, I remember the mermaids being in the water park, but I the I unicorns were also the, trapped down there. I thought it was all the underworld, though. I think the underworld was like a separate room. <laughs> no, I Chris. <laughs> all right, like wait, wait, wait. Room. No, no, no. What am I doing? I'm gonna get up and get the book. 
<laughs> we can't no, no Paris. We have to come to love, but you can't be bringing. The, oh, come on! <laughs> it's happening. Hang on. Maradonia, 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 Maradonia. Alright, dust it off. Maradonia. Gold of Ophir, because I think that's when this happened. Maradonia. Were you just singing Paradonia? Yeah. Paradonia. I forgot about that. That was their song. Yes. Just Paradonia. <laughs> I'm feeling a little touched today. <laughs> oh, I had All a right. fucking long night. All right. Are you really going to look... Are you um, sure it's a gold of a fear and it's not in key to, the, uh, key to the Underworld, which is like the other one we got? Chris, key no, we don't have key to the underworld, Chris. Isn't that like how? Remember, we we there was the second half of Seven Bridges, which is key to the underworld. Oh, uh, I don't know. Hang on, that's probably where whatever you're looking for is. No, because <sighs> Paris, just don't let look. Put it. Put the book down. No. We don't have to worry about being accurate about this. I think. I think we do. I'm so well because I just want to know. Because I remember thinking, why the fuck would there be a water park in hell? And I feel like we had a dis discussion about The this. water park is above hell, so <laughs> It's also above oh, the sorry. big staircase leading downward to hell. Oh, I just saw that baby illustration. Oh, no. Paris, you know, like, the Four Kings stairway in Dark Souls? Uh, oh, yes. Yes, I do. That's what it is. Okay. Um, I think you're right. I think it might have been the other book. God fucking damn. I fucking hate this series. <laughs> damn it. Fucking Christ. Ugh. Okay. Moving Listen, on. Law of Blood. They, they got locked out of hell and they need to get the keys back. <laughs> All right. And then the other part is, um, so they've lost the key that is also a nuke. So the other part of the plant, their part of the plan is like, well, we got to get back into hell. So we're going to go through this like circuitous route through this crater to get there. It's like some secret back door to the underworld. And they're like, well, once we get back, we got to hire the guy who made the key to make another one. You know, of course. So we can have the same power level as Joey, who has this nuke. They also want an another nuke. So when it first starts, I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of a coherent plot. Like, I mean, it's incredibly dumb, but like, at least I follow it. At least I'm like, okay, the bad guys have a goal. They are going to try to accomplish it. Fine. Which is sometimes more than we get from Maradonia. So, um, and then Maya and Joey have decided, they somehow, they know that the bad guys are going to attack them. And so they have an early battle between dragons and rockins, if we remember, which are the ravens and hawk. Yeah, raven hawks. I don't know why. That's why they... rock, raven, hawk. Right, right, Rocket. raven, hawk. Thank you. Yes, it was right in the name. What was I thinking? <laughs> um, and they're supposed to be incredibly badass 
They're the pit bulls of Apollyon's army. They're the pit bulls of the sky. Pit bulls of the sky. They keep saying that over like it's a cool thing. Like King Joey's like, we call them the pit bulls of the sky. Yeah, and even though pit bulls aren't... Pit bulls aren't big, mean dogs. I love them, and they love you. (laughs) And that's... I don't want... I don't... I can't believe that the misrepresentation of pit bulls continues even in shitty D-grade fantasy books. God damn it. Don't denigrate pitbulls. Hey, They're a D lovely. is almost passing, Paris. What? A D is like a passing grade, right? Oh, you're right. I guess it wouldn't be a D, huh? Well, anyway. Um, there's an early confrontation, like I said, between the Rockins and the Dragons. The bad guys are like, well, if we force Joey to use the key to the underworld, if we force him to use the nuke. Which he calls, which is also called Defender, because everything has at least two names in this fucking series, and it's not in a cool way like in fucking Malazan, where there's a reason things have two or three or four names. This is just they couldn't pick. I don't know, um, but they they're like, well, we'll force him to use the nuke so we can then advance our war of aggression. Once it's seen that they're using a nuke, then we can have one too. So it's not know. even. Yeah, it, they they just wanted an excuse to use the cold light waves. If you remember, the cold light waves are the ultimate supernatural weapon that Apollyon and Pluton have at their disposal, which just sounds like laser beams. But also, they didn't have a problem using the cold light waves in Florida when they were chasing Maya and Joey on the Florida beach. Yeah. I... But also, weren't the cold light waves completely like done under by like sunglasses or an umbrella or something i remember <laughs> they use like some simple objects to like oh, I, counter I that shit i don't know but what if you're the big evil king and you just want to be evil because let's face it, it uh, apollyon just wants to be evil for the sake of being evil that's re- that's his motivation oh yeah totally. as cartoonish as it so why wouldn't you just use the cold light waves why, why do you have to like what fucking UN United Nations of the Seven Kingdoms Maradonia do you have to like explain <laughs> your cold light wave usage to what fucking like I know that's a very good point I don't know so anyway so that's like how the book starts the Maya and Joey you know they of course win the battle but they're like oh no we know they're gonna come back I think they get like some spy message Listen, that's like hey Maya they're... and Joey almost always have perfect information at all times even oh, if there's yeah. one secret they're gonna find that secret out three pages later tops yes exactly so they know, they're like, well, they're going to attack us again, so we need to get some allies, which, again, I'm like, okay, this, at least I can understand that. Again, guys, I'm really just grasping at something yeah, here. Are you so, guys ready for, like, the the hard-boiled political machinations of Maradonia? Because that's oh. what this book is. Oh, yeah. Um. So they're like, all right, we need some allies. So they decide to take off to neighboring kingdoms to try to, you know, recruit some friends. Um, and they go to Carthago. Which That's is... where m- most of the book takes place. Because yeah, okay, just to set this up, the kingdoms I remember, uh, you have Maradonia, oh. which Maya is the queen of, the yes. warrior queen of, because warrior she fought queen. those twelve ghosts on the other beach. Hey, 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 guys, hey, guys! If you want, if you want like good warrior queen content, um, just play Visigoths Warrior Queen and enjoy that and don't think about Gloria Tesh. Anyway, continue. <laughs> anyway, so Maya is the queen of Maradonia. Joey is the king of Tyronia, which is like the dragon island nation, which he took over because the old king Pergamon was like, hey, you can have it, Joey, because you showed up and you got a cool backwards baseball cap. I don't know. I forget why. Yeah, the- there. it seemed pretty random. It didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. So, um, Gorg. 
Gorgonia is on board because the Princess Krimhilda is in love with Joey and also her older sister Brunhilda, who is like the actual queen, also is on board with uh, allying up with Joey because they both think he's cute, I think, is no, the reasoning she's, there. Uh, Brun- I don't know why Brunhilda is down with it. I don't know. She likes Joey too. No, she doesn't. Yes, Brunhilda's- she does. No, she doesn't. Brunhilda There's a is- part where Br- Br- Brunhilda was like, Joey saw me first and he was dancing with me first. Okay, I think you're thinking of the other book. Brunhilda is married to someone else now, happily married to someone else. Oh, okay, maybe That's that. in this book. So, yeah, I think in the last book. Had, no, she definitely had a paragraph where she was like, and also Joey liked me first anyway. Probably. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um... So that's kind of, yeah, that's the setup, and then I think we can just start with our Yes. Yeah. Now, Carthago is right. where they travel to to get them on board with fighting the evil empire. All right, so apparently the law of blood, because, you know, in every book you need to define the title of your book in, like, the first couple pages. Um, the, the law of <laughs> you blood. You don't remember in The Catcher of, in the Rye where they specifically said what The Catcher in the Rye was in the first three pages? Yes, uh, sure, and in, you know. Slaughterhouse Five. They tell they you. Said, they said the slaughterhouse you, is. It's the fifth slaughterhouse. Fifth That's why slaughterhouse it's called number five. Um, yeah. So I think it's on the first page or first two or three pages. It says the law of blood is quote someone must die so someone else can live, and I just was like, okay, sure. Like at a very reductive level, the cycle of death and birth is essential to you know decent quality of life on a planet of finite resources at any given time, but. I, I, I don't know if that needs to be called the law of blood or if that even makes sense. Why does that even need to have a title? I don't know. Because King Apollyon has to say something deep and meaningful. There's, I mean, this book still has your Maradonia-isms sprinkled yes. throughout, like freedom isn't free. And, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Yeah. Like always like italicized or bolded for extra like, you should learn from this, everyone. So just like... Uh, bad paper in a philosophy 101 class we've got someone must die so someone else can live fucking great brilliant yeah step one guys really yeah. wow wow uh and then there's just a bunch of i just have a list of a bunch of weird shit they keep talking about doorkeepers and i was like are there just people standing around the open and closed doors but then i thought about it and i was like yeah i guess that is a thing in in palaces right is that a thing is that real if it's like a special door right if it's like a door you want to keep guarded there must be a yeah. door guard door but keeper. this guy but this guy just follows someone else around and opens doors for him he's it's a like traveling a, it's like doorman. a food taster yeah. in case the door is poisoned i <laughs> oh no sir my hand is melting don't go through this door I mean, you could put you could put like tactile poison on the doorknob, right? They just yeah. been really thinking ahead. They're being really paranoid. Oh man, no, no, you're right. It's it's probably fine, but they just kept mentioning this doorkeeper following this guy around, and it was just kind of annoying to me because it didn't, it wasn't necessary. Like the doorkeeper didn't provide any anything to the story. He anyway. opened the doors for <sighs> King Apollyon. Anyway, I don't even know if it was Apollyon. It could have been it was I think it was somebody else actually. I think it was like one of the other demon guys. Um there's a ton of weird misspellings and non-words in here like signalized. <laughs> <laughs> this, when you signalize someone, it's you're signaling them. Yeah. But it's like you're signalizing something else. Oh, Chris, I'm sure actually if you could just crack that book open and just give us a couple more, I'm sure you could Oh, just you want to play, play the game where I just, you know, open to a random page and look for something that's that's weird? 
Oh, apparently... Oh, I just saw your note, Chris. Do you want to play the game now? Yeah, you know what? Why don't we just do this at the top of the episode, give the people what they want. All right. Um... We're, so, yeah, we're going to go full off the rails here. Fuck this whole chronological order shit. Here's just a bunch of random selections. Uh, Paris is going to pick a number between 1 and 398, which is the amount of pages in this book. And I'm going to read that page. All right. You know what? Let's go with... Uh, oh. <laughs> I almost said a number that was beyond 398. That would have been dumb. Um, let's read. <laughs> Chris, what's on page 69? All right. Got to start with the fun I'm numbers. Sorry. I just had to be stupid for a second or for several hours. She looked once more at the flowers, the trees and the blooming hedges in the garden. And again at the old necklace that Melanie had given her. And then she returned to her chamber as the twilight sky turned dim. The dinner and food had already been cleared off the table, and everybody had begun to go to their rooms, but Krimhilda was hungry and quickly ate some leftovers in the kitchen of the palace. On her way back to the chamber, she ran to Brunhilda, who mocked her with the words, Hello, Miss Beautiful. Couldn't you make it in time to the dinner table? Sorry that you had to eat our cold leftovers in the kitchen. I hope that you will sleep well, and tomorrow you might have a better day than today. Krimhilda looked pitiful at her sister and answered with a sad smile on her face. Certainly. Tomorrow, I'll have a better day than today. Good night, and don't forget, I am your sister. I love you, and let me tell you one more thing. I want to live in peace with you. Give me a hug and a kiss, and let's forget about the fights in the past. Queen Brunhilda looked astonished at her sister and asked, surprised, Peace, a hug, and a kiss from you? Hmm. What's up with you? But, oh well, why not? You're my family. Princess Krimhilda stepped forward, hugged and kissed her sister on the cheek and said, Good night and may the gods be with you. Queen Brunhilda did not like the words of her sister, because deep inside she felt that this situation sounded like some kind of farewell. But it was late, and she was tired And when she answered, Good then. See you tomorrow morning for breakfast, and then we'll talk. All right, could you read the midway point? So page 199, please. 199? Okay. What nobody saw, except King Joey, was that the magician unleashed a little leather bag from his belt and poured some purple powder into the palm of his left hand. Look! This magical powder in the palm of my hand is the most famous live elixir, the fountain of youth that makes every woman younger and more beautiful. Queen Dido, you are the empress, the queen mother. Let me show you first how this elixir works. You will see most of your wrinkles will magically disappear, but please... Look directly at the palm of my head, and don't blink your eyes. Queen Dido, Queen Miranda, and Princess Adele were still laughing, smiling, and looked with great anticipation at the purple powder from the foreign merchant. Just at the moment when the merchant inhaled deeply, Joey jumped forward and tackled Queen Dido to the marble floor. Two of the three senators behind the queen opened their mouths in shock, and the purple dust started directly into their naked eyes. The third senator, standing just a little too far away from the action, was not intoxicated. Chaos erupted. While the two senators were shrinking and shrinking to the size of a mouse, Princess Adele shrieked and so did her mother, Queen Miranda. Maya grabbed the two mini senators and put them into one of the glass lanterns. The cleaner was shocked and looked totally puzzled at the two shrinking senators in front of his eyes. Wow, okay. <clears throat> um, do we want to just do a few more later? Yeah, let's, you know what? We'll just, that'll happen a couple times throughout yeah, this episode. Yeah, okay, great. So, you know, the the looked pitiful part there was just, like, a weird tensing of of that that word. It's it's a good example. And, like, you know, mini-senators shrinking all of a sudden 
batshit stuff's happening all the time like that in this book. Um, yeah, there's like right at the beginning. Speaking of batshit stuff, right at the beginning, there's a line that says "celebratory dwarfs materialized out of nowhere," and I was like, <laughs> "What does that even mean?" It I- was King Apollyon coming back to, to like his palace for a minute, and. Yes, dwarves just materialize out of thin air to dance and celebrate. And that's it. That's all. Sure. Just, I don't know where they're waiting all day. Like, do they, are they like Dwarf at hell. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, they're, they're like at home. No, nah, they're like, in the water park. Yeah. That's they, what yeah, I like, choose to believe. The beeper goes off and they're like, oh, hold on. Got to celebrate. And they blink out <laughs> and back in. Honestly, not the worst job. Uh, True. <laughs> hey, whatever. I'm an on-call party dwarf. Yeah, that's, I mean, an on-call party celebrator is pretty cool. Um, Whenever the text mentions the people of the Seven Kingdoms, I think we're in A Song of Ice and Fire, and it fucking hurts. Okay. It hurts me. That's true. A Song of Ice and Fire has hurt us in so many ways, but also, Paris, can you name the Seven Kingdoms of Maradonia? Uh, Maradonia, Gorgonia, Carthago. Does the underworld count? No. Hmm. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Terramilli? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, oh, four. That's way better than I thought I would, I You're would do. You're totally forgetting Joey's place. What are the other three? Oh, Tyronia? Tyronia, Okay, that's yeah. five. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm almost there. Um, five. Okay. What's the six? What's six and seven? I can only oh, remember oh, six. Oh, uh, uh, the, the Queen Akromirisha, the mermaid kingdom right that's one of them i don't remember what the fuck it's called. i, I don't know if that counts i think that's in terramilli oh wait but terramilli is the evil yeah continent or yeah land. i don't know uh shit what are the other two um, i know one more the land of oh, fuck you want to know the sixth one that i know yeah yeah what is it punt punt <laughs> Punt. You don't even remember the kingdom. Ta- the kingdom no. of punts. No, I do not remember the kingdom of punts. The kingdom the of punts is, is one of the seven kingdoms that they must unite. It is only mentioned as a place they have to get to to unite and never again. All right. What is the seventh one then? I don't remember. Check <laughs> I just remember the map, punt. Chris. Check the map. <laughs> the map doesn't even have punt on it, Paris. Oh. It only has five. <laughs> <laughs> no way. It's wait. I have a map too. Hang the on. map has Maradonia, Tyronia, Terramilli, Gorgonia. Um, Arcadia, maybe? Uh, no, no, no. Selink, no, Selink is a, is Selink like, a see, city. Font That's size city. is in no way helpful. I know what you're uh, trying to do, Paris. Font size is in no way helpful in determining what <laughs> the other kingdoms are. <laughs> what about Coastland? <laughs> no, no. Um, what about... Uh, Lupusville. No, that's a city. <laughs> no, that's, that's the werewolf town. You get it? Cause lupus... Oh, it must be Arcadia? Right, see, okay, so we've got... <laughs> Guys. But Arcadia right. is a city, I think, much like Abilantis, which has a completely different font size and type. Uh, yeah. I Punt is definitely know. one of them kingdoms, dude. All right, all right. I'm going to see if I, I don't see Punt anywhere. It's nowhere. It doesn't exist, but it's mentioned as a kingdom. I double checked it myself. Well, it must be past the Aguna Ogini Pass <laughs> at the top there. It must, there. Be. It must um, be, clearly. Yeah, like, I'm trying to figure out how this map is. How is this divided? <laughs> it's not. You try. We're trying to apply logic. We're only no, like I, I think, don't know. I'm gonna say it's the the Mermaid Kingdom, Awanata City, in Lake Lagoon, um, inside of Maradonia. So it's a what do you call those? Like a duchy? What do you call, wait, no. Um. 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 Uh. 
uh, fuck, like, um, a nation that is surrounded entirely by another nation, like Lesotho, and, um, you know, know. obviously, like, every, almost every native nation in the, in North America, um, like, an independent nation surrounded entirely by another independent nation. Lesotho is the only one I can think of. I don't know. Oh, fuck, I can't remember what they're, uh, X, 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 I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I almost got it. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Fuck. Now I can't remember. Um, All right. Paris, we got so much to cover here. I don't care. This episode's going to be like four hours long and you're all no. going to like it. <laughs> no. Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm feeling real silly today. Okay. Um, uh, All right. Yeah. Paris. Maybe it is just a landlocked country. Okay. State locked is what I said, actually. Oh, so. okay. Um. Anyway. All right. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, you know, that, that's the plot. They gotta, they gotta go to Carthago. Apollyon and Pluton are plotting all the time in the back. They don't really do anything. They like send the rockets no. a couple times, and that's about it. That's really it. There, there's also like Gyre crawls like dealings with them also, <laughs> but that's like kind of a back. Like the the evil empire doesn't really directly do much besides send rockets a couple times, and yeah. also have a couple of its like. Black Ops agents, I guess, act against Maya and Joey. Yeah, so there's this under there's a subplot of romances for Maya and Joey. And so the first one we encounter is um Krimhilda being in love with Joey, like Chris mentioned earlier. She and Brynhilda have these like very unrealistic squabbles for I don't know, for sisters who are I guess they're sixteen and eighteen, but like just the way they're written, it's it's just not how people talk. Um and there's this maidservant, I think, mm, sorry, Melanie. M. Melanie. Melanie, thank you. The maidservant. Uh, so Melanie is like Krimhilda's, um, I don't know, she's taking care of her, her whole life, so sort of like her guardian, non-parental guardian. Um, and Krimhilda's obviously distraught that she hasn't seen Joey in a long time, because they only ever saw each other at a at a ball? Like they yeah, danced it was at, like, like the ball. coronation ceremony for King Joey to become king. By the yeah. way, would you like me to read a segment of Brunhilde and Krimhilde arguing? Sure, please. Please grace us with this. What's wrong? What happened, Krimhilde? One of the two maidservants chanted. Their golden dresses flickered in the candlelight and made their dark skin glow. Hush, hush, dear child. Everything is well, Melanie muttered. No, everything is not well. Just at this moment, Brunhilde marched through the door. What's going on here? Queen Brunhilde folded her arms and looked with a fierce face toward Melody and the two maid servants, who quickly bowed down and exited the room. Aha, I see. Mood swings again. One of your ridiculous mood swings. Maybe you're not happy with your life here in this palace because you are depressed again. But why? Do you hear me? I asked you why. You have everything any girl could ask for. Do you have an idea how many girls or young women would give anything for what you have? Krimhilda looked with wide-open eyes at her sister and turned fiercely. She yelled, I don't have everything. Nobody loves me, and I am sad and lonely every day. I have no one to comfort me. My parents are long gone. First, my uncle, Hans Eric, died. Then our mother, then our father, King Thor. I only have you, and you boss me around all the time when you get real mad. You even lose control over yourself. Me? Losing my control? Ha! Excuse me, please, Miss Beautiful. I'm not the one with the big attitude problem here. That's, that, there you go. There's, there's a bit of it. I could go on. Right. But. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's just not written well. Um, so, 
after she has this argument, she goes to the garden to cry because that's what she does. She goes to cry in her garden all the, the time. Garden of Tears. Garden of Tears. Yep. Um, I mean, hey man, I love gardens too, but like you should, you know, you should it's use a, it's your this garden big, for expansive <laughs> garden. For crying in that Kremhilda uses, and when someone Melanie comes into like comfort her, she's like, "How did you find me in this garden?" And and Melanie's just like, "It's a it's a big garden around the castle." It's- yeah, I, I I mean, I just think that people should use their gardens for both joy and sadness. Like sure. gardens are great. Um, anyway, so Melanie's trying to be helpful, and she's like, "You know what? I know what it's like to be in love. I'm gonna help you get out of here and go visit Joey." Because I guess Brunhilda didn't want her to leave for some reason. I still have no idea why. Because she didn't like Joey. She thinks Joey's a player because he went with Queen Aquamarisha. No, that wasn't Queen Aquamarisha he fucked. It was another mermaid. Um, I don't think he actually did anything. He was just charmed by another mermaid. Yeah. But Hilda's like, he's a player. He'll break your heart just like all men do. Well, which is obviously um, the whole inspiration for The Secret of Moon Lake was Joey's interaction with that mermaid. Sure. Because she, like, took him to some cave and he almost died of exposure or something. That's, like, all I vaguely remember. He was also about to turn into a mermaid. Like, that was the threat. Yeah. He would turn into a mermaid. That's right, right. And she was much older than him and it was predatory. That's why Brynhilda doesn't like uh, Joey. Yeah, she's like he chose a he chose a sketchy mermaid over you. That guy doesn't need your time of day. So I'm like kind of on board with that. I like honestly, kinda, yeah, yeah, like you know, I he chose take- something with a non-human bottom part. So you know, I mean, I, I guess well, I can discriminate I, against mermaids. But I don't- yeah, Chris, you know, I just watched The Lighthouse for the second time last night, and I don't want to talk about mermaids right now. <laughs> um, spoilers for The Lighthouse. <laughs> okay should probably say that before i say anything but anyway um melanie's like hey man i know what it's like to be in love and not be able to see the person you love it really sucks you want to tell that um, story paris (laughs) what about being in love with someone that you can't see right now no 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 no. (laughs) i was like wow we're getting that personal okay no 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 that that, i mean the, the the part about her boyfriend who died melanie's yeah that's that's what i was getting to you interrupted me (laughs) By reminding me to say was, the thing I was about to say. It was a say. setup, or I was cueing you. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Melanie's like, yeah, man, I totally get you. I once dated a guy who was, uh, I was in love with this man who had to go off to war. And, you know, he went to war, and um, as, you know, and he wrote me a love letter with his own blood as he was dying from the very wound he took the blood from on the fucking battlefield and she pulls it out of her goddamn dress and it's, it's like smudged and, shit and it's it's like re they try to re um imagine it in the text and it's just like a different font it's really weird but like how are you gonna write a letter with blood from a wound that you're dying from <laughs> like who has that kind of time the story was he got sent ahead as a scout because like uh they I think it was, like, Melanie's parents or something didn't like that she was in love with this yeah. soldier. So they, yeah. like, they like went to the general that was in charge of... His name's Kevin, by the way. <laughs> they went to the general in charge of Kevin. They're like, hey, send him out on a suiciding scout mission so that he'll die and he won't be a problem for us anymore. And dude's like, all right, word. And then Kevin does it. And after he's shot by an arrow while he's out on his suicidal scout mission, he's like, oh, I know what I got to do. I got to take this blood and write a letter to my girlfriend back home hi hello melanie i love you very much it's so cold i'm dying but i love you melanie (laughs) i just don't understand how you would have the Uh, the will 
or the dexterity <laughs> to um, utilize blood from a wound that was killing you to write a letter. Like, so was he, I guess I guess it's plausible that he was walking around with paper and a writing implement. But why would he use his own blood? Why wouldn't he just use the ink that presumably he just had? The, he had, he just had the paper. He just had the paper. But how did he use the blood? Did he have a um, a quill that he filled with his own blood? Because like that's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the raddest death love note ever. It's like the Marquis de Sade fucking writing with his own blood and shit. Oh shit! It's I great. messed up. I gotta dip it back into my blood again. Oh, okay. God. Just scratch that out. <laughs> God, could I, man, can I get by any two episodes without mentioning the Marquis de Sade? God damn it. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Um, <laughs> sorry. All right. So, yeah, that's the lesson that Melanie uh, gives Krimhilda. And she's like, hey, I'll help you out here. I'll I'll help you escape on our griffins. I've got two griffins that are very loyal to me. They'll take us away from here and away from the uh, oversight of your sister, Brynhilda. Yep, and she's like, yo, also take these two maids, Jojo and Juliet, or whatever the fuck their names <laughs> Joey, are. Jojo, Junior Shabadoo. Joey, Jojo, Junior Shabadoo. Take. <laughs> yeah, take Joe. Was it Jolene? Jolene, Jolene. and Jolene. Uh, <laughs> I figured out the other two coma sisters that I need. I, I mixed them up. That was Isusa and Tanika. By the way, don't wow. worry about who the coma sisters are. They don't fucking matter at all. They There's something about a book called the Necromanus, which is just the Necronomicon. Yes. It literally, like, they mention it at the top of this thing, and I was like, oh, they're gonna be, like, looking for that? And no, it doesn't fucking matter. It, it doesn't ever come up again, so don't worry about that. Ever. That's why I didn't know, remember what their names were. Uh... Oh, man. Um... Yeah. Uh, anyway, she's like, hey, take your, take your two maidservants, or ladies-in-waiting, or whatever. Go see Joey. You know, peace. Uh, and the, so they they go, they try to get there. Something goes wrong and they end up, the Griffins end up getting into like a, I forget what happens. The they pirate. get into a Guy confrontation crawl. with Guy the pirates. Shows up. And uh, I don't really know. I don't really understand though. Like if they can fly, why would they get into an altercation, altercation with pirates? Anyway, they because they were going o- they were going over the sea and they the par- it, so you remember that scene in Game of Thrones where <laughs> Victoria Oh no, Chris, no, we're not, not Victoria. Talk about uh, Euron gonna... took out. No, 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 it's just such a stupid fucking scene, but it's fine. Go that's ahead. That's what happened though. That's that's what happened here. Is is that they were flying over the pirate ships and they arrowed the griffins to death. Oh yeah, okay. I don't know if they died, but yeah, they definitely hit them hard enough that they dropped Krimhilda. And so she gets dropped into the ocean rescued by the pirate ship but obviously like captive like enslaved essentially or they're like ah kept. good slaves for selling and uh well it's only her the the maids in waiting get away yeah it's yeah so anyway so she gets kidnapped by the pirate guy remember um nick crawl the pirate he's there uh it takes her and um they, there's this weird interaction where he's like she, uh, i don't know where they're like, oh, it must just be a serving girl. And someone's like, no, she's too pretty to be a serving girl. And I was like, what? Since when does since when does someone's beauty have anything to do with their like station in life? That doesn't make any sense. Um, there, there's they, they, like but- so many people are like, no, there's no way she could be any. She, there's no way she has to be a uh, someone important. Okay. But they don't even really think she's that important because later on she gets sold to Pluton, up up, and Pluton like knows that Gaia Kral doesn't know that she's Princess Krimhilda. Right. Because he only gives him like 500 ducats. Ducats. I, I don't know how to say that word. Ducats, but I think they call it something else in this book. I don't remember. 
Anyhow, so like Pluton's like, oh, he doesn't even know who she is. So this scene is largely pointless where you yeah. could have just left it like, oh, they just didn't know who she was. They didn't have to argue about this. So um, there's so that there's that happening. And then meanwhile, Maya and Joey are trying to recruit um, Carthago to, uh, you know, as an as an ally uh, in the war against the bad guys. So they go to Carthago, which is definitely supposed to be Carthage. And they talk about um, how they have dino fans. And they're definitely, they're war elephants, but they're dino war elephants. And so, you know, let's let's welcome ourselves back to Paris gets hung up on a small detail and does a bunch of math about it because she can't handle it. Welcome back to this segment on the show. Uh, this is the, the, I'm so excited to uh, do I mean, elephant math. You might you might remember Lake Lagoon, our uh, our arguments about lightning and thunder. Uh, <laughs> you might know me from previous petty arguments. Like, <laughs> actually, I think this one is this one is not petty. I feel like this makes sense. So they go to Carthago and they're like, "Oh, sick! We got war elephants." Oh, also, before I even get to the math, they say. They explicitly say, like, Prince Rasmus uh, is showing them around, and he says, oh, yeah, if the elephants become afraid in battle, we just fucking murder them. <laughs> With, like, a hammer and spike into the brain yes! in case, like, they get afraid, turn around and, like, murder our own Oh, soldiers. my God. And I was like, okay, hang on. I guess I'm going to go start my own Dinofant eco-terrorist group because, <laughs> like, fuck this shit. So that's just a sentence that happens, and you're just horrified. Like, wow, that's fucked it's up. It's supposed to be a cool thing. Yeah, it's supposed to be cool to just murder your fucking... I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, um, the war elephants in real Carthage weren't treated very well. They were often, like, stabbed in the legs, and and uh, they, you know, would st- basically do things to make them extremely aggressive and, like, work them into a frenzy. So, you know, it's not like they were... Um, perfect and and plus when you know hannibal had his famous um famous campaign against the romans when tried to bring a bunch of elephants over the fucking mountains they did have to kill a lot of them because they just couldn't go on like they just eat too much which brings me to my point (laughs) um so they're like oh yeah we got a bunch of these dino fans in fact we've got two thousand dino fans do you know how much of a strain that is on the food system and budget of a community? Like, how? Of a kingdom, even. 2,000. I mean, like, the, you know, the ar- like Hannibal's army, I think they had what? Like, I mean, don't ask six- me. 60. They had 60 war <laughs> I wasn't elephants. Around, so, you know, that's someone else. I think, I think it was something like 60 war elephants in Hannibal's army. And that was an extreme amount of uh, elephant uh, to feed and water and keep alive. And they're like, oh, no, we got 2,000. Like, okay, all right, fine, let's play. I'll fucking play your game. All right, so let's assume, and I actually think it's generous to assume that a dino fan is like a regular Asian or African elephant. Of course, Asian and African elephants are, are different, but in general, elephants as a whole can eat anywhere from 200 to 600 pounds of food a day and drink 50 gallons of water. So... <clears throat> Even if we're talking on the small end, like say, let's say these dino fans are like smaller Asian elephants. Um, and and again, I'm saying that I'm being generous because a dino fan sounds like it might actually be even larger than an African element elephant because of the way they talk about them in the book and because they're supposed to be big and like scaly. Um, so anyway, at a conservative estimate, <laughs> we've got 
400,000 pounds of food at a minimum and 100,000 gallons of water each day. <clears throat> that's a lot of water. Maybe that's why they and got that food. water park, right? And, and like at, on the upper end, so you're, you're looking at 400,000 pounds to 1,200,000 pounds of food a day. A day, people. A day. <laughs> Where are you getting all this food? How are you feeding these dino fans? 100,000 gallons of water a day for 2,000 elephants. Also, where are you keeping 2,000 dino fans? Like, elephants need tons of space. I can't imagine that dino fans would need less space. Like, I just... Oh, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a fantasy world. Sure, you can have things that are not real, but can you just take a second to at least make it consistent? You know, or at least explain why maybe the dino fans aren't... a a crushing weight on the ecosystem of your kingdom. <laughs> you know the dino fence that they murder w- when they're scared? Yeah. That's the food. Well, no. Elephants eat leaves, Chris. They don't Not they these don't... ones. Maybe maybe not. Maybe dino fence eat Yeah, maybe it's just this horrible Ouroboros cannibal system that they have where they Listen, feed the dino Paris, fans the dead law dino fans. of blood something the law of blood Chris die. you think you know what you know what I'm wrong I, I'm wrong fuck me something must die so that others may live the law of blood that's that that's what because <laughs> hey can you tell me at any other point where the law of blood comes up in this book besides that one part at the beginning no it does okay not. so <laughs> there I solved it I've I've done it thank you all right so <laughs> moving on so. The Dino Fan thing is bullshit. Uh, all right. Um, my, the Prince Rasmus has a crush on Maya, and even though Maya has a fiance back home, I want to say they're are they engaged or maybe they're just. I don't maybe. think they even did anything to be honest with well, you. Well, it's her. It's her boyfriend at the very least. Yeah, at the very least, like you know, they they are understood to be a couple of some kind. Yeah, and the second Prince Rasmus expresses any interest in her, Maya's like. Oh yeah, but maybe though. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, her big struggle is, oh, I have to choose between two dudes. Which I don't know was Twilight out around this point or something. Was, I don't know. Was it just like getting that flavor in there? Like, Maya, Maya also has a passage where she can't. She's like talking about how hot she looks on a dress, and she's like, yeah, no wonder he can't stop like liking me or whatever. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Um, so that's weird. Think about how special Maya is. At the same time, well, uh, Prince Rasmus, by the way, don't love that I have a very close last name to that, um, is <laughs> it, it is trying to woo her. Uh, she's also getting telepathic messages from the fifth dimension. Yep, Be- the fifth <laughs> dimension. Just, listen, so um, Maya was, I, I, I mean, Gloria, was sitting down to write this, and she was like, oh, no. If they're away from their kingdoms, I can't just rely on them using their tarn caps and turning invisible and, like, just standing next to, like, traitors all the time. So how am I going to get information from uh, Maradonia to Carthago or or anything like that? Uh, Carrier Pigeon? Nah. Um, She's going to get telepathic messages from Master Dominatio and Libertine, the fairy that has helped her before. Because Also, telepathy is the fifth dimension because reasons... And also, it's basically a total new lifestyle, <laughs> is how it's put in the book. Once you're telepathic, it's just your, your whole lifestyle changes. Paris, Dude, like. I'm just imagining like one of those um, like 80s or 90s, um, you know, like a like a shitty 
um <clears throat> like like those uh uh dating VHSs you yeah. you know you get but it's like totally new lifestyle the fifth dimension and there's a bunch of like pastel triangles everywhere and like bad music fifth um, dimension telepathy helps you orient your life in the best path for you because you're always getting secret messages from an advisor that knows exactly what's going on from the people that are trying to kill you would you like to never make a mistake again <laughs> Welcome to the fifth dimension. It's so easy. Um, <laughs> Just have yeah. a telepathic link with everyone that you decide to have a telepathic link with. Because honestly, there's no reasoning for why she has a telepathic link with who. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I know that it happened. It like initially happened in the last book, I think, but I don't remember exactly why. And it, honestly, it, it, it it's kind of all. There's three people that she has a telepathic link with, and we'll get to the third one way later, which is its own fun thing. Oh, but. I don't. I don't remember that, but okay. Do you um, remember the Immortal Man, Paris? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But um, there's just a, like a bunch of weird little things. Um, there they talk about the War Harbor, and I'm like, do you just mean is there a separate military port? Like, I don't understand why they had to say yeah, it that way. Yeah, they have the Merchant Harbor, which is a completely different harbor. I mean, you probably want to separate your boom boom boats and your bring money boats. Well, yeah, but War Harbor, like military port, right? I don't know. War Harbor seemed weird to me, but maybe that's just me. Um, and then all of a sudden, in addition to the like third, fourth, fifth dimension shit, all of a sudden, prophetic dreams are a thing in this universe. And I don't remember ever having established that dreams are prophetic in this universe. Um, They're not and- really. I mean, the, the the dream comes from Queen Dido slash Alyssa, the, the two named queen. She has this dream about two senators are speaking with a man in a purple cloak and plotting against the royal family because there's like a senate and a royal family here, I guess. And the whole thing is honest is that. Joey needs the Senate to agree to ally with Maradonia and the Queen has to, the Queen's on board, but the Senate isn't. And there's two traitors in the Senate that the Queen sees through her prophetic dream. So they just go to the Senate. And they're like, oh, yeah, two of you are traitors. No, 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 no. We're, you're missing my point about the dreams. First. Oh, sorry. So the Queen's like, maybe Maya knows how to interpret my dream. And Maya's like, oh yeah, I totally know how to interpret dreams. And then she's like, oh shit, I actually got to phone a friend. Hey, dumb and audio, what the fuck does this dream mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why everyone is like, oh, surely Maya and Joey will know what this dream means. And then they're like, yeah, nah, we got to call dumb and audio on the, on the telepathic highway. Um, it also turns out the dream just means that you're being plotted against. Ooh. Yeah, it wasn't anything... Um, cryptic it was literally the exact it was yeah, just yeah. like hey two people are plotting against you with a third external party and i so i don't know why that dream needed to be interpreted <laughs> you know just in case but i also just don't i just also don't get why they think that the dream means anything um even the senate is like guys it's just a dream we can't make like hefty political dis- it seems like a political play honestly. oh i don't i don't think that that happened <laughs> No, they Chris. did. They, all, the Senate honestly does tell Joey, like, hey, we can't base this off of just a dream. Oh, I don't. It seems don't. like they literally say this seems like a political trick of some kind. Oh, OK. I don't remember that, but I'll take that's fine. I'll take your word for it. There's a lot of shit in this book to remember. Um, And my my favorite question is. Why would you tell the group of people that you suspect to have traitors in it, that you know there's a traitor, there's traitors in it. Like, wouldn't you want to secretly root them out rather than just be like, hey, I know two of you are traitors. Like, then they're just going to get away and maybe accelerate their plot. 
I, I don't know why you wouldn't. That's be just how you sow discord. That's like what the evil people do when there's a traitor. It's just to like fool you. Also, like they they're like, hey, everyone in the in the city of Carthago, be on the lookout for a man in a purple cloak and a velvet crown because that's what the queen saw in her dreams. So if it's going out to everyone in town, wouldn't the guy just be like, oh, I'll change my cloak and crown? They'll never find me now. <laughs> they don't offer any physical description, just the clothes he was wearing in the dream. Yes. So don't go out wearing a purple cloak in Carthago. Yep, they'll they'll try you for treason. Um, <laughs> and that there's just a mi- another minor weird note where they're talking about bronze. Uh, they're talking about how they need. I forget what the bronze note is. I just was like, wait, but bronze is a tin alloy, and tin. Oh, makes only one is only like one eighth of the formula, and I was like, the other seven eighths are copper. So like, does Carthage have copper deposits? They apparently they have fucked on the silver because they're, I don't know. They were talking about some of the importance of bronze. Now I probably should have written more about that note, but I was, I basically was annoyed that they were trying to say that all they needed to make bronze was tin, and I was like, no, that's not true. You mostly need copper. Tin <laughs> is only a very small part of it. Why would you get this very basic thing wrong anyway? Um. But maybe I'm crazy. Anyway, I, I don't know. I'm not a me- I'm not a metallurgist. I'm not a metal smith. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> I thought um, you did write metal though. Oh. Yeah, Queen Dido slash Princess Alyssa, because you need to be both a queen and princess and have two vastly different names for no reason. Um, sure repeats herself a lot, and I still don't. Yeah, uh, don't understand why two names. Um, because she was Princess Alyssa in the other country. And then she married. Her, yeah. And her brother took over that country and she like gave him that part and she took over because he's the king of Ophir. Right. Um, we determined that Maya, Maya's seduction by Prince Rasmus is complete because he showed her some dinophants and then wind blew his hair around. Yeah. And that's... that was enough to tip the scales for her to forget her, her boyfriend back home, her like sick general boyfriend or whatever. Um, and there's also this, yeah, like, and then I make a note that there's this a scene shortly after where, um, sweaty muscle man make me forget boyfriend. I guess it's fine <laughs> yeah. if we make out is a great description of the, like, five pages of that scene. Yeah. Ras- Rasmus still- is, like, working out, and Maya <laughs> walks up and is like, oh, sees him and gets all excited, and then he, like, pushes her up against a wall and makes out with her, and she's like, oh, this is kind of fine, though. And I yeah, was like, I'm, what? she's into that. She's totally into it. I'm just surprised. Like, I mean, and, you know, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't think she's. She hit. never really feels like a bad person about this. By the right, way, right, right. She's exactly. just like, oh, I have the problem. I'm in love with two men. Well, and I guess, I guess, obviously, I don't have any problems with um, a text like depicting something like this. That's fine. I'm just my shock about it comes from the fact that the Teshes are super Christian and are very much like, the, you know, they don't want any. Uh, I don't know, uh, sexy, uh, um, what am I trying to say? (laughs) What are you trying to say, Paris? I'm really surprised that they would include something like this in their book because it seems like they want Maya slash Gloria to be the perfect Christian daughter, you know? Um, so it's surprising to me that they were like, that they included something like that. I actually switched over from thinking that Maya was the self-insert to Krimhilda was the self-insert. Uh, 
that doesn't make any sense, Chris. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but all of a sudden, but... Kripelda is the very nice one. Oh, that, yeah. That is perfect. It is It is weird, though, that, yeah, like I said, I'm just really surprised that... Um, she is that... the one that said to Joey, though, so that makes it extra weird. So, uh, you know, that's yeah, massive had, points against it. We've had our theories about that before. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was just really... Um, surprised that yeah that the Teshes would be like oh we're gonna include some infidelity but I don't know maybe to them it's like they're not married so it doesn't matter I don't know anyway that was a dumb point anyway um there's this uh oh I said cheating on your spouse for the good of the empire classic fantasy move (laughs) uh because that's basically how Maya thinks about it she's like well if I can get it if if I like him and then that helps us retain our our ally you know our allyship with them or whatever then I was like, yeah, I guess that's a pretty normal fantasy thing to include. But anyway, um, jo- Chris, you had a great note here. There's a, yeah, there's a moment where like Joey and Maya are about to like go out on an excursion. It's not the House of the Dead one. That's later. It's just some other thing that they that. were that they were gonna go out and do. And Joey, who is the king of a nation, a dragon rider, is still, like, annoyingly tapping his foot in the front hall of the Carthago castle, I guess, and going like, oh, I gave Maya 20 minutes for her girl's time. And then when he gets all upset at her for, like, making out with Prince Rasmus, he's like, I see you with your kissy, kissy time. Like, yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think thing. an 18-year-old boy would say that. It's the thing about, like, the... I, so much of this book, like, you're trying to accept Joey as, like, this, or and Maya as, like, these warrior monarchs, right? But I still picture them in, like, backwards baseball caps. And they still have backpacks they put on. I, I, they have, like, cloaks. They're putting the backpacks over the cloak. It's this real cacophonous tone melange where it's, like, on one hand, <laughs> warrior queen. On the other hand, like, 90s skater kid that from like middle school can I, don't, I just uh, can i just say cacophonous tone melange is yeah. like the my favorite thing that you've said in like weeks that's that's the only way i can describe it it's like i'm imagining yeah. like joey in like full scale armor in a cloak but also has like a backwards baseball cap and like a jean sport on <laughs> yeah um yeah exactly oh and then there's there's this other point before we before we move on to the horse um there's a when they're when they're talking, uh, they're trying to um, get Carthago, uh, you know, to ally with them officially, you know, like sign a, a treaty, basically. And I was like, hey, maybe the kingdom should have just decided this together, like about who was going to head the military command, because Joey's like, oh, I don't know, we're trying to be we're trying to be um, allies and stuff, but like I think I'm just going to be in charge of the military, and he just gets in front of the Senate and is like, yo, I'm in charge of your military now. It's like what <laughs> you're some foreign king and you're gonna come into the senate and be like yeah i'm in charge i'm in charge now it's cool yeah a foreign king who's 18 with a backwards baseball cap no <laughs> yeah it doesn't it... he skateboarded in here and called me a dweeb and spit at me <laughs> <laughs> it just it just seemed like a very weird way to navigate that politically um yeah, well, I, Maya and Joey aren't exactly, you know, subtle yeah. when it comes to their machinations. Either. Um, so by this point in the book, I think what are we halfway through? Almost sure. half, almost halfway through, and I'm losing my mind because the other shitty thing about this book is not only its content, but the fact that the book itself smelled heavily of cigarette smoke, like <laughs> stale cigarette smoke. So every time I read it, it was bothering me. I hate the smell of stale cigarette smoke or or like weed smoke or anything like that. Although those are two distinct smells, but I don't like either of them. And, like, they just, I don't know, old smoke smell just makes me 
Oh God! I didn't get that it, as much, honestly. I, I it wasn't as bad for me. Maybe I'm like used to smoky smells or something. Uh, uh yeah, I think you are, Chris. Uh, you smoke a lot of weed, my dude. I'm sure that cigarette smoke doesn't bother you. Shh. What? Quiet. <laughs> okay. All right. You're gonna be shy about that now. Okay. Um, that's fine. You can pet that if you want to. But um, so I'm, I'm approaching the halfway point. I'm like, all right. Only a little longer. I can do this. And I'm like, oh, fuck. This fucking book smells so bad. And it's not like you can avoid it because when you're reading, it's not like you can hold it really far away from you. Like, I can't. Especially me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, we both. I mean, obviously, Chris's vision is much worse than mine. But, like, yeah, I have to also read it at, like, a normal distance. And so it was just. I had to take so many breaks because of the smell. I would have finished it, like, days earlier if it were not for the smell of this book. I had to take so many breaks because I just, like, every fucking page. It wasn't the smell. It was just, like, in there, the words. I kept wanting to, like, I'd rather be doing anything else right now. And I don't normally don't even get that bad when I'm reading other terrible books. But this one, <laughs> it, I thought it would be quick. Like, the font is big. It's not that many pages for, like, a big old fantasy thing. And, er- like, every five pages, I was like, I could, I could just go have a snack instead. <laughs> At one I, point, I was like, I could take a nap, and I, I almost did. I have more fortitude, I guess, but I'm really glad that you you fought through that. You fought through those snacks and those naps, and you got yeah. through. But um, so anyway, so I'm kind of like in a, I'm a little, I'm kind of deranged at this point in the reading. Is my point, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I've taken so many notes, and I'm like, fuck this book. I'm so fucking tired of this shit. I can't wait until we never have to read these again. And I don't know, there's just a moment where Prince Rasmus is like, hey, man. Oh, actually, Chris, do you want to do your note first? He's like, hey, Maya, let me introduce you to my best friend. Close your eyes. And I was like fully ready for it to like turn good kind. And he would, Maya would open her eyes and he'd just have his dick out and be like, ah, ah. <laughs> but no, he's instead going to show Maya his horse, his immortal horse, his best horse friend, his best immortal horse friend. And this horse goes by the name Speedy Galvin. Um. <laughs> Or Cisco. <laughs> and so for some reason, my mind was like, oh, Cisco, I remember that song from when I was a kid. And I just rewrote like two parts of it about the horse. Okay. <laughs> because I've lost All my right. mind. I don't think I can perform it truthfully. But um, maybe later. Um, I don't think I can perform like Cisco. But just so you know, there, there is... <laughs> There are rewritten lyrics to the thong song about this horse. I can just, I can try to just read it, but I might die. I don't oh, know, Chris, that mane's you- so scandalous, and you know another kingdom can't handle it. So you shaking that tail like who's so fine with a look in your eyes that's so equine. Nay, you like to prance in the rolling fields, and you get up to the palace to get your meals. Not just wheels, he also feels because you're living in Maradonia. I think I really <laughs> fucked up the flow at the end there. Oh my god, that's amazing. Thank you for bringing my dreams to life, Chris. I think I really messed up the meter at the end there, though. Oh, yeah, you did. It was great. <laughs> um, just put that. Put that you know, I, just, I can't wait until you put an imitation thong song track behind that. It's going to be amazing. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, that happens. They, they, she's, they, I, they, I laughed about that for like an entire day. I they, just couldn't they've stop. They've got an immortal speed horse, like Shadow Facts, but better because it can fly. Also, it doesn't even matter. They just go to like a field full of strawberries for a minute and then they come back. 
Oh, and then the horse is never mentioned again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never ever again. He was just there to kinda help you get your dick wet, I guess. Um I mean not that they not that Maya and Rasmus. No, they just had that. strawberries in a field. But but like this is the point where this is like the point where Maya's like, Oh, I think I really like him because he <laughs> rode on his magic horse, then we ate strawberries. Um uh, <laughs> and then the I have a Barbie fantasy of what a boyfriend <laughs> is. Dude, I know. Uh, yeah, it really doesn't. Well, and it's like, it's not even good. Like, it's <laughs> but you not wouldn't even really, good. Wait, Paris, you wouldn't like to fly on a horse and go to a field full of strawberries with your boyfriend? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> See, I definitely, you're like, okay, I definitely, you're not totally against it, though. No, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely like to ride some horses with my boyfriend because, you know, fucking nerds. Um, but Sure. Like, yeah, so what's the problem? Let Maya have her strawberry immortal horse field fun. It doesn't seem genuine, Chris. That's why I have a problem with it. Just try to fuck her. I don't trust those strawberries. I don't trust the fucking horse. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from the horse thing. <laughs> now, oh, hey, remember that uh, purple cloak velvet crown guy? Um, he's the cleaner sent by the evil empire with a magic purple powder that shrinks people down to mouse size. and But only, only... If he gets it into both your eyes at exactly the same time. You remember that passage you know I read before? Yeah, hang on. You know what? I, I made a note about how this, this item is worse than something created by the fantasy item generator. Let's find out. Yeah, you did. You just that you basically just said the note. <laughs> no, I'm saying let's find out. I'm oh, gonna, you're gonna use do a some fantasy of them. item generator. <laughs> yeah. This is especially weak because like a pair of goggles or one eye patch would immediately render it completely useless. Or if you he's even like when he's about to blow the powder in the queen's face, he's like, okay. Don't blink. He's he's got to like really. He has to set all of this up so much for this to work. Anyway, basically the guy, the 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 cleaner here is like ah, the senators just stand behind the queen so she can't move to the left or right, and then I will blow the powder in her face and she'll shrink down, and then we will have taken over the country because I can put the queen in a glass lantern or something. Yeah, like and also like why was that? Like we've never heard of this evil magician before. Why there's do you have no to scene. There's no. Her. Yeah, and there's no scene setting it up where, like, the evil guys hire him or Can't anything. Can't you just, like, blow poison dust in her face instead? That, that way you don't have to worry about, like, oh, keep both your eyes open and don't move to the left or right. Also, I have to have two traitor senators behind her to ensure that she doesn't move left or right or blink her eyes. Yeah. Um. So, I, all right, here's one. All right, fantasy item generator. This is springhole.net. That's a weird name. <laughs> um, Magical quirky item maker 2. Um... It's a robe made of silk. It's studded with animal teeth and looks somehow familiar. It was made by a pirate, and its previous owner began having hallucinations shortly after acquiring it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Were you thinking this would be funny, Paris, or would you just get, like, a bunch of random D&D items? No, I just wanted to prove that a random item yeah, generator true. could be better than true. this thing they came up with. Yeah, like, the fact that you have to get the powder in someone's both of someone's eyes simultaneously doesn't... I get, I get having to give someone the right dose, right? Like the yeah. enough of the thing. Yes. But why does like both it, eyes? Both eyes, and why would that make someone shrink? What if someone has one eye? Oh my god! They're immune. immune. <laughs> immunity. Can't Beautiful shrink immunity. me, bitch. I got one eye. I can't. I don't have the proper depth perception to appreciate being small. Oh, here we go. Here's another one. It's a belt made of crystal. It's of a strange design and looks very fragile. It's used for controlling fire. 
You're just giving me like magic items. I'm going to give the D and D party at our next oh, that, session. That's great. Um, but yeah, I anyway, I just think that yeah, just so low effort, which is how I feel about all of this, all of the things that Speaking have been of, in the series. After Joey tackles the queen to the side, because by the way, this was a plan. By the way. Oh, no, we didn't even get to that point. Yeah, we're, we're about to get to that point because here's what happens. Maya and Joey go to the House of the Undead, which houses the city of the undead, which is oh. under or something. Oh, but we can't decide if they're the dead or undead because yeah, those, little... t- those terms are used interchangeably, but then they try to define the fact that they're different, but then they apparently forget a few sentences later. Anyway, I, Maya and Joey go to the House of the Undead because the little uh, princess... Uh, of Carthago. Adele, Adele, baby Adele. Yeah, baby Adele is like, oh, I want to go check out that house of the dead. Can I go, brother Rasmus? And he's like, nah. And then there's like some kind of disagreement that happens and only Maya and Joey end up going for, I don't even remember why they decide to go, Paris. Uh, Well, well, they went because uh, the, the, uh, the meeting of the traitors supposedly happened near there, right? Or they thought the traitors were going to meet there. They didn't have that information, Paris. I thought they did. They did not have that. Inf- that's the, that's my whole issue with this is they go there for some reason and then the traitor meeting happens to be there. The whole thing that they're worried about when they're going there, they're not worried about being caught by anyone. They're worried that, oh, if we pass bodily into the world of the dead, we can't come back out. There's like a myth or something that's like people that go into the city of the undead, they come back out and find that they're not human anymore. And they have to go back to the city of the undead because that's where they belong now because they're undead. Right. But yet the underworld, they're saying the underworld is all undead people rather than actually dead. And I was like, wait. Weren't you all in the underworld? Haven't you been there? Wouldn't this the apply city, to you? The city of the undead is different. It's got different rules, I think, Paris. Oh, fuck me. That's the only explanation. Anyway, I, so again, I don't know why they go into the house other than they were like, oh, the, Adele wanted to go here. She said it was cool. I guess we should go and let her leave her behind. And then the evil meeting is happening there, and that's how they find out about the plot to shrink the queen with the purple powder with the cleaner. And then they go to bed and don't tell anyone about it. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, <laughs> they they just they like they go home and they're like, ah, let's just go to sleep. We, I'm sure we could wake up in time. And then they oversleep instead, <laughs> and Joey can tackle the queen away just in time. Like fucking guys, maybe think about tell someone the guard that let you into the castle when you got back. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Wake the queen and let her know that she's going to be poisoned soon. No, you know what? We're just too tired. Too tired yeah, to save the that. kingdom. Sorry, guys. Too sleepy. Anyway, uh, they saved the queen. They, they, uh, and Joey uh, nukes people with Defender. Well, you, you read the, uh, you read the uh, uh, scene where that happened, I believe. Yeah. Where they uh, saved wh- her. Where they saved her, but then immediately after, the, some of the senators are and the cleaner are running away, and Joey just points Defender at them and disintegrates them. With, like, a small, like, not a nuclear-level explosion that, like, levels a tower. It just, it blows a hole in the 40-foot wall, but then also just disintegrates people into a pile of ash. There's not, so I don't understand how Defender works. Oh, yeah, no, and I, don't you love how Joey and Meyer just, like, judge, jury, and executioner? Sure, um, yeah. So, yeah, um, then, then they immediately engage in a cover-up. Because Princess Adele sees, sees this happen, sees them just nuke these this guy i think it was just one it was just one guy right or was it was, it no it was the cleaner and one senator okay or maybe or maybe it was all three of them i don't know but um 
It must have been all three. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Anyway, um, Adele, you know, Princess Adele, who's a, a, a child. Uh, we don't really know how old she is. She's written as a child. Is like, I saw that. And Joey's like, no, you didn't. Don't tell anyone you saw that. And it's like, <laughs> that, well, it. if you're, you know, if it's so justified, then why are you, why are you so worried about it? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, obviously, Maya and Joey would be horrified if, you know, King Apollyon did that to someone, but they're totally free to just nuke people at will. It's fine. There's a moment in this scene, too, where Maya, like, momentarily disappears and then comes back and she's like, sorry, I had to pee. Yeah, she goes, oh, I had to go to the bathroom. Sorry, but anyway. She and literally just, how... like, randomly leaves to go pee and then comes back. Like, And has to tell us all. Yeah. Um, And then the next weird point is, like, Rasmus shows up just wearing a captain's outfit covered in medals, and I was like, because he's what? a boat guy. He likes boating. Yeah, but he's like 16. How? Wh- what? <laughs> you know, nepotism. Um, and like Princess Adele tries to steal the nuke pen Because she saw it and she was like, that seems fun. I want that thing. Yeah. And, and Joey leaves it in his backpack that he just throws on the floor of where the chamber that he's sleeping in. Turns out there's like a secret passage that the princess knows about. Dude, if you're in a strange castle, don't leave the nuke wand in an unsecured backpack overnight, which has secret passages you're probably unaware of that a small child can gain access to. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he catches her before she actually steals it, right? Yeah, because he, he, he's like wakes up from like a dream and he he sees like a shadowy figure on the floor and then he realizes, oh, it's just that little girl. Get out of here, dude. That's it. He's like scolds her. He's like, "Oh, you scamp! Don't do that! Don't try to steal the weapon of mass destruction!" Ah, get out of here. Yeah, it's real weird. I, I have no words. Um, teenage boys who love fishing is a weird constant in Tesh's writing. That's yeah. My next, next morning, note. they're all out fishing. Um, Joey loves fishing. Rasmus loves fishing in Moon Lake. Uh, whatever the main character's name was. Do you Sam. remember? Sam loves fishing. Sam's friends love fishing. Teenage boys, fishing. That's all they want to do. You have a note about Joey. <laughs> yeah, he calls. He sees a boat that they're going on. He's like, man, that's a real sea sniper there. Oh, it's just man. another example of like when they think they have a cool term that they made up for this Ugh, book. Yeah. Like, oh, that's sea sniper. That's a cool sounding thing. Let's have give Joey a line about that. Yeah, I, I didn't even catch that, so good job. Um, and then there's a line about how they serve Poseidon, and I was like, wait, what about the deity? What about God yeah, that you most named? Of the, most of the rest of the book, they're like, oh, you two are touched by the deity. That That's why you have all these telepathic fifth dimension lifestyles. It's, and- it seems like a very, yeah, like a very um, uh, monotheistic universe. Like, the deity is God. It's supposed to be very Christian. But then all of a sudden they're like, we serve Poseidon. And you're like, like wait, that's what? How, that's how, yeah, that's how he can walk on the floor and everything. I was like, that's the mermaids, though, that gave you the stuff that lets you do that. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Just another inconsistency. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean walk on the floor? I don't know what you're talking about. Maya, like, she, when she's on the boat, because she's not fishing, because girls don't fish, I guess. is. The or or she's, she's on the, oh yeah, she's on the boat, but she's not fishing, right? Yeah, she's just like reading and drinking mango juice or something. They're only oh, drinking always. fruit juices. Always. And then, like, she just, because she tells Prince Rasmus, like, oh, I, I can totally just, I, I spent time underwater with mermaids. He's like, what, how did you do that? How did you breathe underwater? And she's like, don't worry about it. And then she dives overboard with her, like, magical water-breathing conch shell 
or whatever and like walks to a beach on an island that's far away and Prince Rasmus is like where'd she go we should be worried and Joey's like nah, don't worry about it Maya just always survives everything it's fine yep <laughs> And then she comes back later, and Prince Rasmus was like, where did you go? How did you, like, I, th- I saw you go underwater, and then you came back, like, three hours later. What the fuck? He's like, don't worry about it. And that's it. Yep. Um. Oh, and then, actually, I we have, like, a combined note here about how... So, at this point in the story, after all these, like, side quests, we return to the main plot, and they're... They finally, after they... I guess after they straight up nuke the traitors, yeah. they're like, all right, Senate slash city council, because they conflate those two ideas. All right, city council, Senate, we're going to sign this treaty. So like the queen, queen, Alyssa Dido, uh, queen, D- queen princess, Alyssa Dido. She goes to sign the contract, the, the treaty with Maradonia basically in the, in the Senate. And, um, She's talking to, I forget if she's talking to Joey or Maya, but they're like getting ready to walk in and sit down and sign it together, you know, in like kind of a press photo op kind of way. And she goes, oh yeah, I got these anklets that tell me if uh, something, if a contract I'm about to sign is bad. And I was (laughs) like, wait, if you had these magical anklets all along that were going to tell you if the alliance was bad, why did, why were you concerned about the Senate giving consent? Why did you have a vote? Why did you even care about the traitors? Why? Yeah. Why any of this? You could, we could just, have. Why? The, the Senate could be like, well, how do the anklets feel when you have the treaty in front of you? And she'd be like, well, they're fine. And they would have been like, okay, well, the magic anklets that always tell you if fraud is occurring should just always be step one, right? Yeah. And then there's also this this incongruous, um, there's like two incongruous details. So there's like these people... The, the traitors, I don't think we mentioned this, but the traitors were like, the queen took away all of our power. But in the text, it's evident that the Senate can override the queen because she's asking them to vote on things. And they said no at first. And then they they had to, like, come up with another way to get the treaty to happen. So which is it? Is the queen <laughs> the overpowered or does the Senate still have control? That's, like, another reason I don't understand why any of this plot had to happen. <sighs> so it just it just totally cut the legs out from its past, own like plot. 200 pages yeah it's amazing it's beautiful and then chris you made a note that the book is rife with overpowered D magic items if you yeah, want to talk like, a little bit about that anklets that just you know guarantee you know whether a contract is bad the tarn caps themselves which is like infinite invisibility at all times would be a horribly overpowered D item um even just like you know the whole dragon army thing, technically, if you're allowing dragon armies, it's not really an item, but it, yeah. it's just like the once you have the magic stuff and swords, and it just makes things less fun because there's less of a challenge. Once you have the laser key fob nuke, what like what? So there's so many times in the book too where everyone else is like, why doesn't Joey just nuke everyone? And Joey then they have to go with the whole like, oh, it's the arms right. Like we can't give them the right to use the cold light waves. And it's like, all right, but you already used it in that one battle. So like, what's yeah. at this point? It it just doesn't matter. <laughs> just none yeah, of the stuff I know. matters. I know, I know. Um, there's more like, small details. So there. So the phrase "exotic dancers" is used, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like I think it means foreign dancers. Foreign, yeah, like foreign dancers, but it says exotic dancers, so I just thought they were having a celebration feast with a bunch of strippers and 
Yeah, it's at a least, celebration at least... feast that Joey's crying at because he's he's crying and he gets drunk and he vomits all over himself. Oh actually. yeah. <laughs> um. So they have the celebration feast to celebrate the treaty, right? Yes. Um. And I don't remember why Joey's upset. Do you? Krimhilda got kidnapped and he receives the news that Krimhilda ah, is kidnapped you. by uh Guy Kral. And um. So there's he gets a letter. And it says, oh, yeah, um, Jolene and Josie, Josie and the Pussycats or whatever <laughs> deliver <laughs> deliver a note from Krimhilda. And it's in a language he can't read, so he just puts it down and never reads it. That was what was confusing to me. Like, why that's would why... you send a letter in a language someone can't read? Now, okay, Paris, this is why I thought Jody and Jolene were the Coma sisters, because like they were from a time before and they would be re- writing things in a language that Joey can't read. Right? So, uh, <laughs> the train horn in the background, <laughs> like the overbearing <laughs> silence of you trying to figure it out, just whoa. Sorry, y'all. That's the real train that goes by my house. Um, Supposed to those fake trains. <laughs> trains are I... a conspiracy theory. Have you been on a train in the past three months, Paris? <laughs> they don't exist. You know that's fair. I haven't been on. I haven't been in any vehicle or any form of transportation uh, in three months. Yeah. All right. You know what? Vehicles aren't real. I I think we just got to yada yada the rest of the plot here (laughs) because it doesn't like the next Uh, hundred pages do not fucking matter. They don't. So so I've got some notes here. I just have in all caps, Coast Guard Dragons. I don't know why I thought that that was worth writing down. They, they, um, they got dragons flying around the, the coast of Carthago trying to, like, look out for rockins because there's a threat from Maya's perfect spy network from Maradona, which she's always talking about. She's like, Maradona has the best spies. That's our thing. We got you have to, we have always have perfect information. Fucking Mistress of Whispers over here. Yeah. And so they have Coast Guard dragons set up to, like, look out for an empire of evil naval attacks. But, okay, so, but isn't it weird that somehow these raven hawks are formidable enough opponents to fucking dragons does that make any sense to you there's just like a lot of them i think is the deal like there's just thousands of them i guess the strategy is that they peck the eyes of the dragons out so i don't know get some like goggles man yeah (laughs) get your dragon some goggles new from gorgonia (laughs) dragon goggles they'll protect your dragon's eyes call them droggles droggles Get your droggles. <laughs> fresh from Gorgonia. And, like, they, they had this attack happen to them before with the Rockins, so why wouldn't right. they just make the goggles after to be like, okay, we'll take out the one thing that fucks us up. I also, just, but, like, do the, dra- the do the dragons, do we do we know if they have fire or ice or acid breath or they anything They definitely like have fire that? breath. They definitely use fire breath so on the So why Rockins. wouldn't they just roast a whole flock you know, of fucking Paris, Rockins? Why wouldn't God. they just fly backwards and, like, roast <sighs> everything from afar? Why wouldn't they? I don't understand. Anyway, not that I think that it's always the case where, like, a a smaller opponent is always weaker. But in this case, just, like, raven hawks versus fucking dragons just doesn't seem like... Yeah. Should they should uh, be able to roast from pretty far away. Oh, I guess I guess the Falkland War happens again, but in the land of Maradonia somehow. I don't even remember that part, so that's a note you're going to explain for here's yourself. The, here's another thing. So we call it the land of Maradonia, but like it's actually Maradonia and six other kingdoms. So what's the world called? Or the continent? I think the continent is also Maradonia. <sighs> Fine. Um, but I have a note. Just move past that. Chris, can you please go to page 261? 
Because I have a note that says page 261, tips fedora. And I have no this? idea what that's about. So please read, pe- this, read, this is, read, uh, read yeah, this, page 261. This is Prince Rasmus uh, bidding farewell to Maya. Um, Tomorrow morning, soon after you have left, this is Prince Rasmus speaking, I will organize the crusade and we will sail with you 200 of our warships to the Falklands. Uh, by the way, I don't know where the Falklands are in Maradonia. That's not on the they, map either. Oh, I was going to say, in real life, uh, yeah. they were fought over famously by Argentina and um, the UK. Uh, <laughs> they are off the coast. Uh, I want to say they're off the coast of Argentina. Um, All right. Well, that's where Prince Rasmus is heading. Wait. No, I'm wrong. No, they're <laughs> off. Wait. Am I wrong? Is that Argentina? Fuck my ge- I'm American. We have no knowledge of geography. Continuing on, I'm I really will be sorry. in command of this crusade, accompanied by my admiral, advisors, and captains, and we will be prepared, waiting with our marines in the shadows of the Tyronean Dragon Island, for your sign to attack the enemy. I can promise you that the ships of Gaia Kral have no chance against my armada. Anyway, I will not guarantee too much, but I can tell you one thing. Not many soldiers of Apollyon's army will escape. During this crusade, the nation shall see how powerful the Carthaginian marines really are. I look forward with great confidence to this armed conflict. But remember, Queen Maya, the treaty says that we can come with our ships and take possession of the island of Akron and turn this place into an economical metropolis in the Strait of Tyrodia. Akron, Ohio is now a whole island. Uh, Prince Rasmus, we understand each other very well. I think so, too. But now it's time to dance again. May I ask you, my lady? And there's your favorite Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for re- helping me relive that. Um. <clears throat> All of a sudden, the next chapter, there's just a real short chapter. It's like a page where they're like, oh, we're back in Lakeland with the Swansons. And I was like, who? What? It was like Gloria. Gloria. God. It was like Maya and Joey's family in Florida. But they were saying they were in Lakeland and they were called the Swansons. And I was like, wait, aren't they from Oceanside? Also, I don't remember their last name being Swanson. (laughs) Because it's literally just a two-page thing where it's like, also their family was still over here. Meanwhile, back in Maradona, like it's there's no reason to. Or maybe it, maybe it said that Lakeland was they were there on vacation. Actually, I think it might have explained the change in location in Florida. But yeah, I don't know why it had to be. It was just like her parents going, "Huh, I wonder what Maya and Joey are doing." What? See okay. ya. Like that's enough. Hey Chris, what are blank swords? I don't know. <laughs> Do you Can know? You tell me. What blank swords are? Because there's a mention of them. I forgot what page they're on. Let me see if I can find it. But it's a thing that, like, Joey mentions. He's like, oh, we'll fight them off with our blank swords. What is it like you haven't customized them yet? They're, like, mass-produced things and you can, like, inscribe your name on the blade? No, I think that that they just couldn't come up with a a descriptor and they accidentally (laughs) left left the edit in blank swords. (laughs) That's okay. Well, everyone will come up with this later. They're just uh, blank swords. Um, yeah, they're completely. You no, know, it's it's almost like we could just call them swords. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that that won't work. That won't work. We have to put something there. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a variety of different types of swords. So you know, uh, but it's also fine to just fucking say swords because most people are just gonna think of like a like a long sword or a gladius or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are two different things to be specific, but. Um... Anyway, Gladius are shorter. Any, anyway, Maya uh, just... and Joey are off to save Krimhilda, who has been taken to uh, the Black Tower of Natalie, which is I always kept reading as not Italy. <laughs> I actually was reading it like, um, like the the two alcoholic seltzer empires of Truly and Naughty uh, merged, <laughs> and they have this bubbly, like a black sorcery slash child enslavement area. <laughs> 
Because that's yeah, like, you know what? There was I like mean, another plot in here, by the way, of like kids getting kidnapped and sent oh, to yeah. a black tower. It doesn't they're... fucking matter. It's just also the tower where Krimhilda is. It literally doesn't matter beyond that, except for a scene where there's two other kids that Krimhilda is taking care of. Um. Yeah, and then uh, actually, wait, am I wrong about this? Yeah, no, I was right. Sorry, I had to check my gladius and longsword math. Um. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Paris. <laughs> well, I've been I've been yelled at before for using gladius incorrectly so i didn't want to make that happen oh that's again. right I, yeah that one comment and now you're like forever I scared of it. being I wrong about a gladius oh no <laughs> well i took a lot of latin and we had to talk about them i should have known better <laughs> basically all i did was i described it as like a bit sh- like too shorter that too short <laughs> kill me i described it as being shorter than it really was and someone took issue with it anyway um, anyway, uh, yeah, Maya and Joey off to uh, r- rescue Krimhilda. Um, right, right. So Krimhilda, so Krimhilda gets sold to the evil guys after the pirate. So the pirate sells her to the like literal demons. Pluton. And, and they take her to this fortress. And I don't remember Porsala, the fortress of Porsala. And I don't understand why they go. Th- I don't remember why they go there. Um, they know she is like a good hostage to keep so that Joey won't right. use Defender right. and right. he can give, def- like, he can trade Krimhilda for a Defender. Okay, actually like, we'll, smart. That's we'll fine. We'll put her in, like, the most secure area where we have all of our, like, child trafficked sorcerer students or whatever. And uh, that's why they bring her there. I think there's even a passage where they're like, why don't you just bring her to, like, the evil palace straight away? And they're like, ah, who cares? Don't worry about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, this then, so- fortress is commanded... By Kimoko, just a brand new sorceress character introduced in the last hundred pages of this series, who yeah. has a parrot. What's the parrot's name, Paris? <laughs> the parrot's name is. <laughs> the parrot is called. Um. Hang on. Drum roll. <laughs> The parrot is called Cuckoo Kaka. <laughs> Spelled K U U K U U K A A K A. You had a little cadence there with it. Yeah, yeah. Cuckoo Kaka the parrot just kind of hangs around Kamoko and just repeats some shit she says. That's... I just feel like there's like some children's show where it's like Cuckoo Kaka the parrot. <laughs> He's on the shoulder of an evil sorceress. <laughs> Don't get him mad or she'll turn you into one, too. Cuckoo caca. <laughs> I think this, this book broken me. Okay, so I'll continue. Uh, Maya and Joey I, show up, right? So they show up I, at the castle. I guess some more coffee. They, I'll be they, right they there. Show, okay, they show up at the tower. <laughs> With uh, Kamoko and Kukukaka, who are in charge of everything. And Kamoko's like, don't worry about that, dudes. We know they're coming with their dragons. So here's what's going to happen. You're just going to catch the dragons in some nets. That's all you got to do. You know, I don't understand why no one ever thought of this. If you just get a bunch of big nets, you can just catch the dragons that way. You know, it it seems stupid that we haven't thought of this before, in fact. Oh, all right. So I'm assuming you explained 
them going to the fortress, right? Yeah, and I told them about the best way to uh, counter a horde of dragons coming at your evil sorcery tower. Do you remember the weapon they used to neutralize the dragons? No, I don't remember that at all. Oh, fucking net, Paris. That's all you need. <laughs> just, oh, you really oh, I do. just catch them all. That's all you got to do. So, Who cares so if that you... guy has a laser nuke and you have other dragons and, you know, maybe the nets could probably get torn up or bitten by the dragons or even turn. You know, there's so many ways that a net might go wrong, but apparently not because just a big enough net. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. Oh, yeah. Um, My question was, how did Maya and Joey get captured so easily by six dudes in a net when they're the best fighters they have a nuke laser pen and two dragons. So similarly, yeah, they're they're always talking about in every other instance how amazing they are at fighting and how they can take down like, you know, a bunch of people at once with just one weapon and blah blah. But yeah, these six dudes show up with a net and it's like done. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you needed, dude. Just big enough net. And then they're imprisoned in the fortress, and Maya and Joey are like, Oh, we've lost everything. This is the end, and I'm like what? What did you lose? Like, won't your respective kingdoms come to rescue you and your allies? Even like, the dragons what? aren't caught, by the way. The dragons aren't netted somehow. No, they net Maya and Joey. I know, but like, you would think the dragons would do something about it, but no, they're just kind of flying around outside because they don't want to just <laughs> nuke the tower because I guess in case Maya and Joey are in there. But like, they could have, they could have flown back and like <sighs> warned don't... the kingdoms or something. Well, they also just could have attacked anyone exposed in the fortress like i don't even unless nobody was anyway um and then so they're yeah so maya and joey are like despairing they're like we've lost everything it's all over it's like you're just in a jail cell it's fine like you're a powerful king and queen supposedly um and then they maya somehow i forget there's like a a skirmish where maya somehow ends up the guards just come in the room to like feed them one time and maya just like overpowers three fully armored and weapons armed guards yeah and then she opens joey's cell but there's like a there's like a a a further i don't know there's like more guards or something and they just lock joey in with two or more guards who will definitely kill him yeah and i still do not understand to like to this minute i do not understand why they didn't all just leave together I don't either, Paris. It's the most one of the most baffling things that happens in the entire book when Maya's like, yeah, I escaped, Joey. Now here, I'm going to lock you in the room with the fully armored and armed guards. You'll be fine. See you later. Yeah, and okay, so I have a note that says page 323 is an amazing example of bad writing, and it's right after that note about the, the guard fight. So could you please regale us with page okay. 323? Uh, turning there now. Maya and Krimhilda hurried up the stairs and soon realized that there was no way out of the fortress. They only saw more corridors and halls with stairways. Krimhilda was shivering. Her teeth shattered. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Well, I, forgot I mean, about hey, that. you know, you know, medieval times, nutrition wasn't great. You know, she a little, did, little the, chittering. The, okay. The next sentence is she appeared exhausted and malnourished. As they tried to pass through the next corridor in the dim torchlight, Maya suddenly felt a sharp pain in her lower back. It was the pointy head of a spear, and both girls heard the deep voice of the commander of the fortress close behind them. Lay your weapon down, or I will pierce your body. You killed one of my men. We are not punishing you as a common thief anymore. You'll be buried deep down in the dungeon's death cell. From there is no return. Forgot Maya laid the sword down as more soldiers arrived. She felt a cruel hand grasping her hair to pull her over the floor. Maya began to slip, trying not to fall, and then her feet went out from under her. 
Grimhilda started to cry as some powerful hands caught Maya before she hit the ground. The soldier grabbed Maya's hair again so vehemently with such vehement that she let out a cry of pain. <laughs> but Grimhilda jumped forward and hit the man's head so hard that he let go of Maya's hair, but he got angry and smashed Maya's head against the stone wall. Maya began slipping out of consciousness as the pain created several fireworks in her mind. She slipped deeper and deeper until she saw the shadows of gnomes and creatures of the outer planes dancing on the bottom of her own soul. I know whenever I'm about to like knock out for the night, I can detect those gnomes and demons at the bottom of my soul. Just <laughs> dancing. Yeah. Those goddamn soul gnomes, Paris, oh, they're the, the reason gnomes. I feel so sad all the time. They just uh, won't stop tap dancing on the bottom of my soul. Oh, you know what? But like, just imagine from software's gnome souls. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be out exclusively on PS5. You can do, you know, it's you, can, be great. you can. You can, <laughs> if you have a PC version of Dark Souls, you can mod your character to be extremely tiny. So that's totally a doable thing. Gnome Souls, Oh, uh, Gnome Souls. Once again, we're back to requesting that someone make Dark Souls Maradonia themed. I'm really <laughs> sorry, everyone. Sorry that this is a thing we both desire. Anyway, uh, Joey does overpower the guards, and they, like he kills one, and they just leave that guard's dead body in the cell with him. They're just like, whatever, he died there, he gets to stay there with you. And then they escape, and then uh, at, at some point during all this, Krimhilda is like separated from Maya, like because Maya gets re-imprisoned or something. Like, they didn't really escape. They, they, the guards <laughs> threw them back in the cells. They take Krimhilda away. All they say is, like, we're going to take you to a better place. And then Maya and Joey do escape when Maya, like, she reaches out to the fifth dimension again, and then she's like, oh, cool, I can just make the walls disintegrate with my hands and also create fireballs with my hands. Oh, yeah, she gets the power of fireball. She gets that spell. She's reached fifth. Is, is fireball a fifth level spell? Uh, I, I, I am not. Let's entirely... find out. You know, I am I know. about to be a fifth edition DM. I should. I, you know, I'm not going to memorize the fucking spell list. That's that's your player's job to do, not mine. Oh, I know. I'm checking. I'm checking. Don't worry. Yeah, but like, uh, uh, she, again, uh, just another thing where they're not really ever in danger. This is probably the longest point because they're in prison for like two or three chapters. But then Maya just is like, oh, yeah, I'll just tap into that fifth dimension shit again. Hold Fireball on. is a third level spell mm. um, that I think you get at. Do you get third level spells at fifth level? Around there. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. OK. Something like that. Or maybe fourth. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, yeah, Maya just thinks her way out of it. She's like, I'm going to tap into this new lifestyle of mine, my telepathic fifth dimension lifestyle, and I could just melt the walls and also throw fireballs. So no biggie. Uh -huh. We're out of here. Yep. And then when they leave, Joey is like, he has a cool action movie hero line about it. He's like, the fortress of Porsala will stand no more. And he points fucking Defender at the fortress, which, as far as he knows, Krimhilda's still in there, right? Like, the whole reason he came over here, and he was, like, crying and puking all over himself, and he just evaporates the fortress with Defender. Like, how do you I, know I she they, wasn't still in there? I don't know. I thought that they knew she was gone. No. They, 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 all that happens is the guards take Krimhilda away, and they say, we're taking you to a better place. Maybe you can yeah. guess, but there's yeah. no reason to believe that she would definitely be out of there. No, I think that they say something. I mean, I know they say, you know, we're taking you to a better place, but I thought that there, were, there was more detail. I mean, you have the book. There is not more detail. I assure you. I just read this yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's true. You finished it yesterday. I finished it like last weekend. Yeah. Um. um. Anyway, so yeah, Maya and Joey escape 
from the fortress of Prasala. Krimhilda is still far away, kidnapped again. Um, and and then um, Krimhilda is just like off on this like weird side questy thing, where it's like she's being taken to the water park evil fortress. But they come like w- w- the caravan she's in comes across like werewolves, uh, burning two boys at the stake, and she saves. Okay, they're, be- they're no, they're tied to an oak tree with a bunch of werewolves around them, and the whole centerpiece of the werewolf thing is that they're, they're like laughing about how excited they are to roast these two small boys, and Krimhilda <laughs> separates. From her caravan with her guards, who probably should be like, hey, don't fuck with the werewolves. We got to go here. It's not your problem. They let her do that. And it says, okay, Krimhilda was already crawling like a pirate with a dagger in her mouth. Does a pirate crawl different, Paris? Is there something that they do different? Apparently, because that's pirates, how it's Pirates have a, yeah, I guess pirates crawl differently. I, I don't know. Sure. Why. Anyway, she goes up to the oak tree and frees this, the boys who are also just, by the way, they offhand mentions like they're two beautiful black boys. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't it's love a little, that. Okay, sure. <clears throat> all right. Don't. But it's just a weird way to put it. Anyway, they she cuts them free and they slip away in the middle of the werewolf celebration. And the werewolves didn't notice anything with when the whole roast and the boys was the center was going on here. What? How could they get away? Anyway, they get away because fuck it. Who cares anymore? Yeah, sure. Just do whatever. It's fine. <clears throat> anyway, they take Krimhilda back to the evil palace where, get, hey, guess you know what's going on at the palace, Paris? What's up? It's the Chaos and Curse Convention. Big old CCC. Oh, yeah. The, the, the annual CCC. Woo. It's, I don't know. I guess it's like all the evil people come around to cause chaos and swear at each other or something. It, it, again, it doesn't matter. It's just a weird, random fucking thing that gets thrown in here. Who cares if there's a Curse and Chaos Convention? Anywhere. I, it, <sighs> it doesn't matter. None of this matters because Krimhilda, just, she's just locked in the water. I'm so ready to be done with this. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, Paris. I just have to power through. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm like talking over it, but I just need to be done. No, it's it's okay. I understand. Krimhilda's um, at the at the water park. Um, and, and that's the last we see of her, essentially, is just crying at the water park, waiting to be saved by Joey. Because then Maya and Joey are now going through Terra Millie to get to the evil palace, but they land far away from it, like three cities away or something. There's a whole thing with the count that is like, un- like Count Argo Narvis is like under the King Apollyon, but he doesn't like him. So he helps Joey. And then they go to a city that's deserted. Why wouldn't they just land the dragons close by? Oh, Fuck. Oh, I hate it, Paris. Oh, I don't God. Oh, man. I okay. Really don't. Take it away from me, Paris. Just carry me over the rest of this. While well, well, I struggle, there are two footprints. That's a footprint on the beach, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> at, at one point, now there's one because I need you to carry me. Did we talk? Did you? Sorry, I forget if you described the Chaos and Curse convention. There's and where nothing there's, like, to describe. A there's magic just... show. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Does that happen at the convention? It's uh, time. I don't know how many weeks pass by with Krimhilda at the fucking place. Anyway, there's some magician called the Mehedin of Melissa because there's a town called (sighs) Melissa and he's a magician, which I guess you call a Mehedin from there. So he's the Mehedin of Melissa and King Apollyon came back. So everyone holds a celebration where they turn random people into pigs 
and goats and have them running around where King Apollyon is and then uh, the Mahadina Melissa has a mango that he throws in some normal dirt as it's put. He, it has to be normal dirt and he grows a mango tree out of the bucket with, with the mango in it and it destroys the stage. And I'm like, someone's got to build that stage again, asshole. For your fucking yeah. mango tree trick. Thanks, Mahadine of Melissa. Uh. Yeah, I just don't even know why any of this needs to be in here. Sure. Why don't you take us on the final side quest, Paris? Oh, boy. Okay. The final thing guess... in Maradonia Souls. <laughs> I guess this is where we're going. Um. Oh, all right. Well, so... They, um, I don't even remember, like, chronologically, like, what happens right before this. They're landing in the uh, a city. Right. They go because... They can't just oh, go... Oh, because Dom- Dominaccio's like, yo, can you help my boy out or whatever? And they're like, I guess. Right? Isn't That's that what after. happens? That's after. They land in the city first, and then they meet the boy, and then Master Dominaccio's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Help him. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. So they, they end up in this ghost town, as they describe it. I, again, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, they were going through there to get somewhere else. To the I, evil palace where Kremhilda is. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So they're taking a, a pit stop for some reason in this ghost town. And they, uh, they run into this man. <clears throat> they run into Chris Cornell. <laughs> um, we're not joking, by the way. He's the guy into... in the city that like is like I knew you. Be, I know who you are, and I knew you were coming. I figured I'd hit you right here. By the way, my name is Chris Cornelli. Nice to meet you, uh, Chris Cornelli, the immortal. <laughs> FYI, yeah. which is like a really unfortunate. He's thing. part of some magic, bro- the Brotherhood of Positive Thinking. Which did it, that? Did that really say that? I don't yeah, that. the Brotherhood of Positive Thinking. He was a member of the Brotherhood of Positive Thinking with their magical divine healing breastplate that he is on a hunt for. And he he got the breastplate. He's got it in his folder, you see. <laughs> He's got it in a folder. How can a breastplate fit in a folder? I, also, if I, you had a folder large enough, that would be a really awkward way to carry around a breastplate. I think she means messenger bag, Paris. A breastplate is pretty big and heavy. Uh, it's a I big like messenger bag. I, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming that they must mean some kind of bag, but they keep referring to it as a folder, which is just wrong. It's the wrong word. <laughs> it is. Um, it's just squarely the wrong word. So, yeah, so he, so Chris, <laughs> Chris Cornell, Cornell is taking like, a break from Audio Slave and yeah, the pilots. Go on and save me now. <laughs> I need a ride out. <laughs> I got this breastplate. Uh, I can't do it, Chris Cornell. Um, <laughs> he says he shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally here because my ass for help. Like, I answered the divine call for help. But then, really, he's like, hey, can you just take me to the store? I just need a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go to the packy. <laughs> drop me off of the packy. I got I to gotta grab some drinks before I go drop off his breastplate. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line here where. Oh, sorry. People not from New England, the packy. Is the package store, which is a liquor store or beer and wine store, depending. Um, and it's called that because initially they used to wrap all your stuff in like brown paper so no one could see that you were buying booze. So it's this weird dialect thing. I just figured I wanted to point that out because I think people hear that and they have no fucking idea what we're saying. So 
ta-da. Yeah, that, that's where Chris Cornelli needs his ride to. He's also, like, trying to use them to, like, also get the breastplate back to the Brotherhood of Positive Thinking up in, like, the icy mountains past the evil palace or whatever. It's that Ogun Agunia thing. That's where he needs to go with the breastplate to get back to his bros of positive thinking up there. And, and what does he do? He, like, there's, like, some kind of flooding happen, Or, no, the, the town a is a ghost town because it's a drought. And then... He helps them call the rain? He go, they go to another town where everyone moved from the ghost town to this other town, and it's also, like, super droughty. And there's two orcs that have control of one of the main water sources, so oh, yeah. they have, like, an orc monopoly, orcopoly, on the water, and everyone in the town hates it because there's no rain ever. And Chris Cornelli be, hit, like, everyone that touches... Chris, just say Chris Cornell. Everyone, need... that, everyone that touches the magic breastplate gets a special power or whatever, and Chris Cornell's power is that he can summon the, the rain. Um, and there's a sentence here when he's summoning the rain where it says, Cornelli's voice vibrated in the air and gave the siblings goosebumps, and goosebumps is capitalized, which made me think that they just randomly received, like, uh, editions of the Goosebumps series <laughs> from this, this vibrating magic <laughs> voice. Well, that explains why Gloria next wrote a Goosebumps book. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so they go to this town. They have a fight with some orcs. Um, uh, Chris Cornelli, like, there's, like, a whole scene where they're like, oh, we can't, you know, help you guys out because we're starving or we're thirsty from the drought. And Chris Cornell, like, waits a long time to be like, oh, I can just make it rain, guys. Don't worry about it. Anyway, after he does that... Um, everyone in the town is so, you know, happy about it. And a lady immediately just starts to pull Chris Cornell into a side room or side, side house, building, side yeah. building to get it on with it. I guess he gets always beating away those groupies for, you know, solving drought. And he's like, hey, Maya and Joey, watch this breastplate that I have spent years hunting for. I got to go fuck this lady who's into my Rainmaker stuff. So he goes and does that, and oops, they lose the breastplate because uh, a, a man, actually they describe it as someone with albinism, and they kind of put it in a in a way that makes it seem like people with albinism are inherently sketchy and evil. Yeah, that's kind of concerning, huh? Yeah, anyway, that dude steals it, but hey, they get the breastplate back again, it's okay, everything's fine, you know, everyone's celebrating. Oh, and, and except, except they say, they use this phrase, it says... I forget the rest of the sentence, but the clause is confused like jellyfish in the ocean. <laughs> you know, jellyfish are always confused in the ocean. Jellies, jellies, jellies live in the ocean. Why are they confused? <laughs> Why are jellies confused? Does anyone want to explain this to me? The, context... the jellies aren't confused. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's where they live. <laughs> they know exactly where all the stuff is. God. I, I thought the context was like um, Chris Cornelli was telling them about his brotherhood of positive thinking, and, my, and Joey was like, "We're confused, like jellyfish in the ocean." Yeah, and I was like, "I don't understand." I anyway, fuck <laughs> Paris. Guess what? What? It's fine because you know they're all celebrating. Maya and Joey defeated those two orcs that were you know in charge of the Wateropoly, and but it, also Chris Cornelli made it rain anyway, so it didn't really matter in the end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone's celebrating and, um, you know, they're like, hey, Maya and Joey have a celebratory drink on us. And the drink is poisoned and Maya and Joey die at the end. Oh, my God. I was... <laughs> That's the end Chris, of Aerodonia. Chris, I'm not even kidding. When I read that, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is it over? And I, like, almost wept. They <laughs> just fucking die, Paris. <laughs> I started scrambling. Fucking die. I started scrambling through the um the appendix, like assuming they were gonna 
that th- there was, must be another chapter, but I was like, no, they're fucking dead. Oh my god, what if they really just die randomly like this and we never have to read another thing about them again? How perfect. Here's the, here it is, Pat. I'll give you uh, the final. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's revel in their death, please. I go. would like to just. Here's the final page. Bask in their demise. Joey turned around and glanced at the excited people of Magadan. His eyes detected a strange-looking observer. This person was with a white goatee and long pigtails growing out of a black cylinder on his head. His robe was embroidered with blue ornaments on yellow ground. The man was intently talking to Gustafsson in what appeared to be a very demanding manner. The mayor nodded and went back to the city hall. Gustafsson and two of his clerks brought several chalices served on a silver plate. He offered Maya and Joey a drink. Please drink with me. This is a day of celebration. The lakes are filled with water and Grawl and Brutus, the evil orcs, are dead. Maya and Joey, very thirsty after the fight with the orcs, drank the whole content of the chalices with big gulps. The observer with the goatee and the pigtails grinned and raised his eyebrows as he looked at the mayor. Suddenly, Maya and Joey started to cough heavily, and realizing too late they were poisoned. The poison worked fast, and Maya and Joey fell over at the same moment, splashing into the sea of blood between the two orcs and the three warriors. Joey, what's happened? It's getting so dark and so cold around me. Yes. Maya, this is the end. These miserable people have poisoned us. With my last breath, I want to tell you that I love you. It was a wonderful journey with you, but I never thought death would come so fast. Maya and Joey slipped down into unconsciousness. They slipped deeper and deeper until they reached a very different place, a place packed with shadows dancing and celebrating. Shadows of gnomes and creatures of the outer plains, but it was cold there. Very cold. Yes, fuck, yes, they're fucking dead. Oh, we never have to read this again. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, technically it does say, hey, it's going to be continued in the Battle for the Key, but as far as we know, we can't get that anywhere. Yeah, I. so I know that I we both did a little digging, and I, I found conflicting... At first, I start, found conflicting information, people saying, oh, it had been published, but it doesn't exist any... I don't think that it was ever actually published it might have been somewhere in either form but it's nowhere i don't even want we did our due diligence looking for a paris we're done with maradonia it's yeah i think if i think if anybody they're fucking dead yeah there's no i just i mean obviously this isn't the way they intended for the series to end because yeah clearly there was like there were plans for not only the battle of the key but there were actually plans for what three more books in addition to that something like that um let me consult uh Maradona, Maradona, Maradonia Wikipedia page. Yeah, there um, was there was definitely some other thing like the the House of Kra or something or something like that. Yeah. Um. All right, Paris. Um. While you're looking for that, can we fix it? No, because it's just a like even if you just keep the main elements, it's just a lame as fuck like basic ass fantasy story that anybody could write. There's, yeah. I just like like you could fix it, but it would involve so it would involve just a whole redo except for creating this or except for sorry, excuse me, keeping the skeleton of the hero's journey, which is already something that I'm just so done with, like unless someone does something interesting with it. Yeah. Which which this did not. Um yeah. Uh but you know, I think we'll close the show with a I guess with some introspection on all this Maradonia stuff and we've, the Tesh family. We've, you know, we've made our way through the, all of these books. It, as far as we know, there's not any one more word we can read. I'm, I'm, I'm beat. Yeah, um, that's it, Paris. All right, well, we've, thank you. We've um, left the land of Maradonia. Oh, fucking good fucking riddance. Um, 
All right. Well, thank you to Dari, of course, uh, our patron who recommended this or who requested that we read this. Uh, thanks a lot for your continued support. Um, thank you, Dari. Yeah, Dari, Dari rules. She's she's been supporting the show for since its inception. So many thanks to you. Uh, thank you also to Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Lynn, Sinya, Jakob, Bobby, Black Cat, Jensina, Mayo Cat, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, and Jay. Um, if you want to help support the show, you can also donate one, five, or ten dollars a month to us on Patreon for various rewards. You can subscribe or follow us, um, subscribe to, excuse me, or follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or Goodreads. You can share the show, tell some people about it. You can also rate or review us on a platform of your choice. If you want to contact us directly, you can send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. If you're a five dollar or more patron, you can watch the Maradonia movie with us too. If that oh, piques yeah. your interest. And we also did a, a last year, we did like a month of Maradonia thing where we found um, a bunch of Gloria content on YouTube because she's also, she also dabbles in bad music. That's another thing. Um, yeah, that's there. If you just can't, if you just can't get your fill. Yeah. Uh, it's there. If you All right. Become a patron. Uh, Paris, this is a two hour and 15 minute podcast, I think. Fucking all right. Well, I guess nothing else is happening today for me. This is it because we got to record another episode after this. All right. So. Well, we bon voyage, Maradonia. See you never. Bye, Paris. Bye, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>